Hello? 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 Hey, quiet! It's him again! The Mona! Expanded his act. Could that be one person? No, Claire, that's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir doing their annual obscene phone call. Pervert, why don't you go over to Lamb of Kai? They could use a little of this. Oh, why don't you go find a wall socket and stick your tongue in it? That'll give you a charge. I'll stick my tongue up your pretty pussy. You fucking creep! I'm going to kill you. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. How you doing, John? I'm good, Tim. How are you, sir? I'm here. Glad to. Uh, I was surprised it was uh, you were one of the people who picked up the book. But that's Why? Cool. I know it's just I. It, I was just surprised. I. I've got a job now, Chief. Oh, I did not know. I'm sorry. That's awesome. <laughs> so I'm paying it forward. 
Awesome. How's the how's the new job? It's very good, man. Very very good. Mm-hmm. Cool. Awesome. I'm glad. Jobs are not fun to try to go look for. And it means that while I won't be able to, while I wasn't able to make April and March and shit, it does mean that hopefully, probably not this year because I have a wedding to go to in October, but this time next year I can make it out to Horror Realm and all that. Cool. Yeah, Joe will be maybe, there. Maybe I'll make it. Um, maybe I'll make it out to like you or Carl's place at some point this year. But, like, probably won't to a horror convention until next year. Well, I suggest you uh, not come here because uh, <laughs> we're not very well liked right now. <laughs> Indiana is not the place to be right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we are hated. Well, it's because you, you're banning the gays. Yes, I guess. I, I guess people don't like money. I don't know how that fucking... Right. Well, it's like if Time Warner Cable suddenly admitted tomorrow everyone can have service except the Jews, there would be a fucking outcry. Fuck yeah. So why is it all right to say everyone can have service except the gays under the protected fucking religious freedoms bullshit? If I had a business right now, I'd be like, Christians are not allowed in. (laughs) That's exactly what I... That was the... That was the... uh... That was the argument I made. I was like, hold on, everybody, calm down. Okay, if it's okay to say gays, lesbians, transsexual, whatever, sexy people, if it's okay to say you're not allowed to come to my business under this Religious Freedom Act, then it is also okay to have, like, a lesbian-run business or a gay-run business or anything like that. It's also okay to kick crazy Christian people out of your store, right? It's got to work both ways. Oh, yeah, completely. So I hope Mike Pence doesn't get served at any McDonald's or any place. But you see, I don't think that that's the way it is. I think the law is to protect Christians from being persecuted, or any religious group, for being persecuted based on their religious freedoms. So that's exactly what they're doing, though. Right, but that, but what that would, what, what, what that would suggest to me is that the lesbian bookshop owner or whatever wouldn't be able to kick Christians out, but the Christians could kick gays and lesbians out because being gay and lesbian is an affront to being a Christian according to these people. Um, and, uh, whereas being a Christian is not, uh, being gay is not a religious right. Okay. So, therefore, the gays would have no—they'd have no standing legally to kick someone out of their store, other than they're a store owner, and store owners, I thought, took precedent anyway. I well, a lot of places I go have the sign that says "We reserve the right," you know. Right. I it's like if you own a bar, you don't have to serve anyone you don't want to. You can exactly. choose who you want to serve. Well, anyway, let's start. Uh, greetings from the hate field. <laughs> The hate-filled state of Indiana. I apologize to everyone. This is this is our new show. Kyle's here. I am here, and Tim is here, and John Cross is on the episode. I am with uh, Killer Midget Babies. Yes, John picked a good one that we're calling Death Murder Baby. Murder <laughs> Midget Murder Baby. <laughs> yeah, he picked uh, the Devil Within Her. Yeah. Who, which is also known as I don't want to be born. Also known as Sharon's baby. I wondered. I had trouble finding 
finding this, looking it up. I it, it, evidently it's got like four titles or something. But I just think it's hilarious that the you know the closest movie to this is obviously Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. and then in, although in Rosemary's Baby Mia Farrow does not get cursed by a crazy midget in a strip club, so <laughs> I was, it's only I was unaware that midgets had this power to just sling curses. They do. They do. That's why you have to be nice to them. Yeah. <laughs> That's why Ed better watch yeah. out. I just uh, the, what's that one comedian has the joke about um, if you lose an arm wrestling match to a midget, you become one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how midgets are born. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like but, if you lose an arm wrestling match with a woman, a baby happens. Is that what happens? That's, that's how babies are made. You didn't know that? I didn't know that. You got to lose had, an arm wrestling yeah. match to a girl. I kept trying to put my penis in them. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> okay. Uh, but it just made me laugh that the British equivalent of Rosemary's baby would be Sharon's baby because Sharon is such like a, like a, just a common shitty name. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I'm Sharon. <laughs> Sharon's baby. <laughs> oh, gosh. good to have you on again, sir. Yes, yeah, good to be here, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah, not a problem. So what you been watching, John? What have I been watching, guys? Let me have a quick I'm look at the old letterbox letter. right now. Yeah, that's what I'm going to fucking do if I can bring it up. That is a killer poster for that movie. What, for the for the Midget Baby yeah, movie? Yeah, for Murder Baby. Murder Midget Baby, yeah. It's uh, it's hilarious that they would be allowed in 1975 to show a, <laughs> a midget dressed up as a jester groping uh, Joan Collins' tits. Uh, what have I watched? Okay, so recently, it, very weird that it's all kind of come together like this. But I've been watching a lot of movies which feature the devil, weirdly enough. Uh, I also watched, I watched the Neeson movie Run All Night. Oh man. Uh, I love this. Let me, okay. Uh, our buddy Dano and his podcast, uh, they have kind of given this Liam Neeson genre a title called Dad, right? Dadsploitation. No, um, uh, Doc, Dr. Action has a better one, which What's is. That? It, instead of vigilante, it's daddy lanty. Okay, yeah, same, kind of same thing. Yeah, yeah, so it's daddy lanty is what it is. N- none of them are really that good, to be honest. But... I think if you're going to have something exploitation, it should probably be pop exploitation. There like, you go, or, yeah. Or like <laughs> something like that, yeah. Or um, septuagenarian exploitation. I, I, I told my dad, I said, Dad, because this preview came on like three or four weeks ago. Right after we saw that stinker taken three, and I'm like, no, no, we're nope, don't even ask to go to that movie. We ain't gonna go see that piece of shit. It's good, really. It's really good. It's really, really good. Okay, I, I, will take I word put for it. it. I put it in my top five Neeson. Ooh, I uh, have taken Dark Man, Nonstop. Tombstones, Walk Among the Tombstones, and uh, uh, Run All Night. That's what it looked like to me, a Walk Among the Tombstones, real dark and dreary. and. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not Don't a... shoot my son. It's not a balls-to-the-wall, taken and or non-stop action movie. But it does have a very, very cool slice of, like, British... Sorry, not British, rather, sorry. 70s American gangster pick... Sort of, uh, it's kind of a bit like French Connection meets the Pope of Greenwich Village kind of thing to begin with. And then, um, with that kind of New York-y vibe, late 70s, early 80s kind of 
grimy vibe. It's all filmed around Queens and stuff. Ed Harris and Liam Neeson and blah, 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 blah. Very cool, nice, slow beginning. But once it becomes a cat and mouse thing, it, it, it just kind of goes all fucking out. I mean, right up to the point where they have like the special ultimate assassin, like Ed Harris sends after him, like the ultimate assassin, like nobody fucks with this guy. And the assassin's like, I've been waiting years to take Jimmy, whatever uh, uh, Liam Neeson's name is down. Uh, I'm going to really like bring him down. And they, they have like a, a, a big kick ass fight in a burning apartment building with like logs on fire and shit. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's properly good. It's properly, properly good. I really enjoyed it. Cool. So it's better than Taken 3, then? Oh, fuck yes. Good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Good. No, I mean, Taken 2 and Taken 3, um, and what was the other one that he did that I wasn't a particular fan of? The Unknown, the first one he did with this director, funnily enough, because this director and him have done mm-hmm. Unknown, Nonstop, and now this. And Nonstop is still the best in terms of, like, Liam throat punching because it's just him throat punching everyone at 30,000 feet. That was my next uh, question. How many throats are going to get punched in this? No, movie? seriously, dude, there is actually a, a throat punch in this movie that is fucking hilarious. He walks out of this club that is owned by Ed Harris, walks out of this restaurant owned by Ed Harris, and Ed Harris has put one of his goons by the door to, like, stop him. And Neeson just opens the door, and when the goon goes for him, he just, like, wham! Like, just, like, throat punches him without even thinking. Nice. The guy (laughs) grabs his throat and, like, falls to the ground. Uh, I I really loved it. I mean, I I, I definitely, definitely really dug it. And... um, it's it's a totally different speed to non-stop and a totally different speed to walk among the tombstones. It's somewhere between the two. Imagine putting the two together. That's what this is. Cool. Because I was coming home from Indianapolis a couple of weeks ago, and I was going through Muncie. That's the town I go see all of my movies in. And I drove by this theater, and I was like, well, uh, run all night, chappy. Nah, I think I'll go home. <laughs> I, yeah. I think I, I, I really wanted to see Chappie, but I have heard it's bad. And You didn't want to see Short Circuit 3, as I'm calling it? <laughs> but yeah, well, I... The, see, I've heard mixed reviews on Chappie. Yeah, I've heard I've heard it's like it doesn't know what it is. It, it's just such a, a not like they did. The script is bad, but all the effects are really good. And I looked up that band, quote, quote unquote band that was in it that die antwerd or whatever right i don't think i could last 10 minutes looking at those people on the screen without just getting completely (laughs) fucking annoyed and leaving (laughs) so i was just like nope i'll just wait for video fair enough um but uh yeah so i mean yes i would go see run on i mean you'll wait for video i mean it's going to be out on blu-ray in five minutes nowadays they all are i mean like birdman came out on dvd and blu-ray like uh uh in in january and it's still on in the cinema <laughs> in new york that's because it's making a it, it, same thing here in pittsburgh it's making a crap load of money right 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 as it as it fucking deserves to because it's a good good fun movie it's but like birdman the, yeah yeah uh, that movie i'm not gonna say it was good or bad that's not a kyle movie i tried to watch it and then i was just like you know i'm just this isn't a me movie if you ever think of, I, I get it, because there's some sort of like hipster arty stuff going on in it. But, but if you watch it as a comedy, just a flat out comedy, 
it's it's really good. Like if you watch it in a movie in which like Ed Norton gets a boner and um you know Michael Keaton says this place smells like balls and you know if you watch it more as a comedy uh and take out some of the more sort of artistic twinges to it it's it's equally as good that way. I mean I like it multiple ways but but it's also just a very funny comedy. Well, it's called Birdman and it did and it didn't have Brian Blessed in it. No thank you. <laughs> Whoever made that fucking picture is a genius. Uh then I watched Life Itself, uh, the Roger Ebert documentary, mm-hmm. which I was hoping because, OK, I've always I've never understood like the the fandom people have for Roger Ebert. I, but I didn't grow up with right. uh, 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 Siskel and Ebert at the movies or anything like that. I think it, but, he, he, he fits that guy you love to hate to a T. Well, okay, maybe, but I mean, like every movie that I even remotely give two shits about, if I YouTube it, there's always a Roger Ebert review with him sat there just being like, well, I didn't like this movie because of some spurious bullshit reason I'm not even going to bother to explain. Over to you, Siskel, you know, while he falls asleep or shoves another pie in his mouth. I was a Siskel dude, yeah, I know where you're coming from. I was hoping, well, I didn't like either particularly, but yeah, I know what you mean. And I was hoping, therefore, that, because, like, Werner Herzog talks about uh, Roger Ebert like he's, like, the knight of cinema and should be hailed as such. And Martin Scorsese is a big advocate for him and, in fact, produced this documentary. And I was like, you know, I'm a big fan of Herzog, and I've always sort of stuck by his opinion on things a lot of the time. So I, what is it that I'm missing? And I really wanted to, to get that from this documentary. The trouble is, is one half of the documentary that is telling you know, his rise to prominence with the the Chicago Sun-Times and him being a writer and blah, 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 blah. He comes across as, like, what he came across on screen as, is an opinionated, pompous, arrogant, white bread, flabby flabby kind of arse face, right? Mm -hmm. The kind of person that I just wouldn't get on with because I wouldn't be able to talk film with him because he believes that film should, film discussion should be a combat sport and and it says as much in the documentary and I believe that, that... when you're talking about film, all opinions are fine because they're just opinions, but you should probably back those opinions up with just a little something. You know what I mean? Like just a little bit, like show you're working like you were told at school, you know? Yep. And he doesn't believe in that. So, uh, you know, we wouldn't have got on anyway. The second half of the documentary, which is kind of spliced throughout the whole thing, because it goes back and forth is him in hospital and in home without a jaw. Which with is, no jawbone. It's pretty. Mm. It's it's a horrifying visage, but you. Well, it's horrifying. It really and makes he, you feel bad for that guy. I mean, geez. right, right, right. Well, not only that, but you're like, strap the thing up, put a bandage around it, do something. It's just flapping about there, and it really detracts you from sort of what the documentary is trying to tell you. Because I'm just watching it going on. Oh, so you're staring at his face the whole time instead oh. of listening on what's going on. Yeah, look at the flabby skin. It's just wobbling there like a... It's all you know, red and inflamed. And, uh, it's I, I felt whatever. super bad for that dude because I know one of my friends that I used to work with, I talk music with him all the time, Right, had this kind of cancer. And at the end, he had no tongue. He had no jaw. He right. didn't look at this bad. He had a trach, all that shit. Yeah, no, I, listen, I'm not... Uh, whatever he was going through was absolutely devastating. I'm not yeah. making light of it and not playing it down. But what I'm saying is it made watching a documentary about that difficult. The other thing I noticed is that 
everything said about him post-operation, especially by his family, but also uh, by the filmmakers and things and by other filmmakers and things, is that he's this wonderful, like, saint of a guy, right? And it, it that just kind of struck a wrong chord with me. Because I'm like, yeah, okay, he went through this, like, big problematic thing, but he's still the same guy you know he's still the guy who fucking hates day of the dead you know what i mean like yeah. with the, it's the, uh so i i don't know so so i was a little sort of put out the one thing i got from it that i suppose i could see is that there were several indie directors from from right back with scorsese making his first movies Werner herzog making his first american movies and then right up until recently uh, various independent filmmakers who, because Ebert championed their work either in the paper or on TV when he didn't have to, those movies got an audience and a bigger box office than they ever would have done without his help. And there is a, a British um, uh, reviewer uh, uh, called uh, Mark Kermode who believes the same thing, that movie criticism can elevate movies that otherwise wouldn't get the time of day or can certainly alert people to movies that wouldn't normally get the time of day. So for that, I completely and utterly respect him <coughs> and what he did. Yeah, that's kind but, of what we do on this show. Right. But in terms of, and what a lot of podcasts do, it's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I love podcasts and the fact that it's like word of mouth is what it is. Mm-hmm. We are all in the podcasting thing, word of mouth for our own small audience who will then hopefully go tell their friends and tell their friends and so on, and maybe even podcast about it, you know? And hopefully buy the movie, especially if it's independent. Hopefully Definitely. get it released. Spooky. Yeah. Right, right, right. Get it released, uh, get it seen, get it shared, get it bought, get it funded, whatever it is. Yeah, especially so, with, with independent movies, you want to make sure you try to buy, support those guys. If it's that good of a movie, you want to buy the movie. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. I completely agree. And I was saying, funnily enough, to your pal Craig Everett Earl, that when his films come out, because of his great support of uh, uh, my stuff over the last year, you know, I'm definitely going to pick up his movies and and sort of throw some back to him, you know. Oh, he's a cool dude, yeah, because I know I've talked to Kyle about it. I got his movie Intrusion to play in a theater up here in Pittsburgh once. Nice. Good work, sir. Yeah, like when he first had it out, like before. And while he was trying to do it himself and right. really put the money in trying to distribute himself. Good movie. Uh, I can't wait for the second one. But yeah, he, I, I, good kid. I've met him in the past. He was yeah, on the show last yeah. week. Yeah. And likewise, you know, I'm going to try, we're going to try and talk about, uh, I'm going to try and get you, Tim, if that, if, if, uh, you're available to talk with me at some point for either the Diner Show or the Diabolique Horror Show that I do about John Portanova's movies, because he sent me the other two. I've seen the, the Sasquatch, Valley of the Sasquatch, no, and, and uh, which is great. It's yeah. great. I loved Valley. It's such a strong script and such a good movie. So I want to talk about those three films with you because I know you've seen them on mm-hmm. one of my shows at some point and then maybe have John on and do an interview for the Diabolique show because that's the best marketplace because the Diabolique podcast obviously goes out to everyone who reads that magazine. So, you know, that's a really great forum, especially for indie horror guys. And I've had Craig on there and, uh, you know, I want to keep doing that as well. So that's very cool. So yeah, I like that about life itself, but I mean, ultimately it didn't give me the answers about, 
Ebert that I was looking for. But I mean, it was it was a decent enough made documentary. It was all right. But it's you have to have a pretty strong stomach to kind of, especially yeah. when they start sticking tubes in his neck and you hear all the suction and stuff. And oh, it's just it's. <laughs> where's the then, Where's the Ebert then, documentary about him hanging out with Hef at the Playboy Mansion? Right. Well, no. No, that was Cisco. You mean? That's yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah, Cisco was a pimp, dude. Yeah, Cisco hang out with Hef and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, world's it's best like Ebert, Ebert, that guy had. Ebert wrote about it and and Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, but uh, Cisco lived it is what they say in the documentary. Um, and then the the thing that I said is a lot of the movies I've been watching lately have been about the devil. Uh, in the in the last uh, four days, I watched Mark of the Devil because it's I just got Ooh. a screener. A screener from Arrow USA. Uh, it's their first movie that was released over here on the 17th. If you haven't picked it up uh, and you are a fan of sort of British uh, exploitation, and I would argue one of the first examples of torture porn in a weird yes. way. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it, it, it is crazy. I have a, the sequel. I still have, still have never watched it. I'm not sure I've one. ever seen it. It's, uh, it's very, it was weirdly enough a bigger hit in the US where it could be released uncut and was actually released by the same people who did the sort of exploitation marketing behind Last House on the Left and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was the same company, Hallmark releasing or something, who released it over here and they, in the, in the end of the 60s, early 70s, and they actually did, you know, a puke bag with it and, yeah. and yeah, all that kind of stuff. So it was marketed as a real exploitation movie. Now, the British director who made it was actually making it far more as um, a statement against, you know, the Catholic Church and the history of, of, of what they did, because it wasn't just like 10 years they went around killing witches. It was over 300 years that they went around like burning, torturing, stealing people's land, you know, just being absolute bastards to everyone they came across and in fact the movie shows that like it's not just sort of women who are a bit promiscuous who get killed or burnt but it's also like a puppeteer comes into town is doing a sort of uh, uh, marionette show for the children and uh, these sort of uh, I mean you know what nowadays would be referred to as sort of idiot hicks but sort of villagers who don't really understand what puppets are believe that they are magic you know floating <laughs> things floating beings and they're like these guys have magic <coughs> floating things that look like human beings they're witches they're witches so they get like you know the one guy gets water torture and then the wife gets sort of brutally and it's the only bad thing about mark of the devil is it's absolutely relentless i mean the torture the rape the burnings i mean it just goes on and on and on and it's herbert lom and udo kia mm. and herbert lom plays the evil witch finder general kind of character and Udo Kia, his naive, wide-eyed and and positive uh, uh, kind of protege, who halfway through the movie realizes that Lom is full of shit and that he's just torturing people for the sake of maintaining his image and uh, 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 tries to go against him. And um, but it's it's a fascinating movie, but it's it's pretty a bit like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the sense that for 45 minutes, that woman doesn't stop screaming and you're like, yes. Oh, just give me a rest. You know what I mean? For two minutes. It's a bit like that because although it's not the same person, it is just a series of people being brutally tortured for sort of 50 minutes interspersed with like a Herbert Lom rape scene, which is just utterly disgusting. I was just going to ask you, did you just pitch a movie to me? 
where Udo Kier is a quasi-good guy? Yes. That's bizarre to me. That's an abstract thought. Uh, but Mark of the Devil is one of those movies. You, <laughs> It's kind of like how I explained Last House on the Left. You enjoy the movie, but you could go three years without seeing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could go another five years without ever seeing Mark, it again. Mark this one down, Tim. We need to watch this for the show since we've never seen it. What, well, Mark, I, I've seen Mark of the Devil. It's been years because I was waiting for John Cross to talk, uh, go through that telling you about it. I remember when that hit VHS. Like It had like this special uncut VHS that hit in the late 90s, like right before DVD really got going. And yeah. people went berserk. Yeah. Like around here for that, I remember people going nuts for that movie. Yeah, it's proper like late sixties, early seventies, British what they call Brit exploitation, which is like the seventies era of Brit. We're in the seventies, and there's a really good. The, the reason why I would suggest if you do have the coin to pick up the Arrow Blu-ray or DVD is that there's a really good documentary on it about the seventies wave of British horror movies, which were made in reaction to. Hammer and Amicus. Hammer had been the big studio in the 50s, early 60s. Amicus had been the big studio in the 60s. They normally do uh, period pieces with a lot of costumes, you know, a lot of sort of bucks and women and stuff and a little bit of gore, but they're mostly kind of fantasy movies about vampires or werewolves or mummies or whatever it is. They're, they're sort of the classic gothic horrors um, or they're or they're sort of Twilight Zoney or, um, uh, you know, Tales of the Unexpected type stories like dr terror's house of horrible and so <clears throat> but then um along in, in the 70s along came these filmmakers of which uh, uh the, the guy who made mark of the devil whose name i don't quite remember right off the top of my head right now he is one of them and they they made these just sort of slightly more uh violent exploitative exploitative kind of sexy kind of films and 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 this is prime brit exploitation i mean it really is and it's a proper kind of uh, but it has a it has a you know you notice halfway through that this is not just gore violence and unrelenting misery for the sake of it it's it's very clearly making a point that you know be careful what you buy into and be careful what you believe you know what i mean yeah, uh, and then following up from that on Friday night, I had the privilege to go down there running a series of Giallo movies in the village at the Archive Theater down there, the Anthology Archive Theater down there in New York, and um, I got to see all the colors of the dark, which is also known as They're Coming to Get You, which is a bonkers, bonkers uh, uh, woman being harassed or chased by devil worshippers, or is she really mad? Type movie. Um, made in the uh, uh, 70s, 1972, uh, in London, um, but with all sort of familiar Italian giallo actors and actresses. And it is properly, properly weird. And there are some um, devil-worshipping pagan orgy scenes that literally look like they walked in on a 70s, like hair band trying to shoot the latest album cover. <laughs> you know what I mean? Awesome. <laughs> it looks like a rejected, you know, Led Zeppelin throwback or like they walked in on an old stately home filled with hippies and devil worshippers and stuff like that. And there's, uh, you know, there's orgies and bonking and the killing of small woodland creatures. And, uh, you know, and then she's terrorized around London by this guy with ridiculously blue contact lenses. And uh, it's, it's, you don't it's care? pretty great. 
No, no, but it could, it might well have been Udo Kia. Um, but no, it was a really good, really good movie. I really loved it. It's another, unfortunately, like Mark of the Devil, it's another fucking rare one. Luckily, Mark of the Devil did get the arrow treatment, but all colors, all the colors of the dark, if you look it up on Amazon, it's one of those $98 for the VHS. You know, it's one of those, unfortunately. So I was very privileged to see the 35 mil print because it's a bloody good fun film. I mean, it's really, really fun. And there's a genuinely, genuinely scary sequence in it, like a proper tension-filled scary sequence in it where this woman locks herself out of her apartment and it's in one of those old London apartment buildings with the the, the elevator that goes down the, the central column but has those, like, gate-like doors, you know, that shut across. Anyway... Yeah. Um, the guy, the guy who's been uh, stalking her the whole time with this piercing blue eyes and this trench coat is walking slowly up the stairs and she's desperately waiting for the elevator to come up. It's, it's, it's properly good. She sort of just almost gets in the elevator as he comes up the stairs. It's, but it's really well done the way it's done. It's, it's really, really good. Sounds great. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that one. It's definitely one to check out if it ever shows up on Netflix. I know that they've got all the Barber movies on there at the moment. If they ever do any more Giallos, check it out. You said um, Sergio Leone? No, no, no. Uh, Sergio Martino, I think. Oh, okay. I got my Sergio's. Fuck. I don't even know where Italy is anymore. I think Italy, <laughs> I think Canada. Italy is Canada, yeah. <laughs> Canada is Italy of the North. Northern we had Italy. that conversation long ago. <laughs> yep. So that was it, guys, apart from the movie I watched for tonight's show. So uh, that's what I've been watching. It's been Devils of Plenty here in the uh, Cross household. Nice. What have you been watching, Tim? Well, there was a movie I forgot to uh, tell you about last week, and it's cool John Cross is on uh, this week. He might know about this movie. This movie came out in 05. I just... Came across it. I found it. I can't even remember which channel I found it, but uh, DVR'd it in the middle of the night, and I've watched it. Uh, it's a movie called Wild Country. Oh, I haven't heard of this. No, no, yeah, no, no. What's it's, it's, spell to me, maybe. Yeah, it's out of the UK. Right. Um, had a DVD release in 2005, and I'm surprised. I like. I was looking up. Really, there wasn't too many reviews about this movie. Movie runs maybe 70 minutes, 75 at the most. Okay. And it's kind of like a borderline, uh, this is a wolf creature slash werewolf movie. Nice. Um, it keeps it simple. Basically, it opens up with a girl who gives birth to a baby. Um, priest takes it away because her mom convinces her to give it up because she's like 16 or 17. Six weeks later, she goes on a youth group trip. And the the priest, it's the same priest. He says he leaves them out in the middle of the country. Uh, it basically says, "Hey, I'll see you tomorrow around noon. Here's a map. You get to hang out together. It's like five of them, and a friend shows up, makes it six. And basically, the sixth person is the dude that knocked her up. Well, of course, it's just you know, you're it. it they meet the the guy that lives alone on a farm and basically he makes it his thing to scare the crap out of him, scare the crap out of a girl while she's trying to take a dump in the woods. <laughs> and basically after he does that and gets scared off by the dudes, he goes and gets killed by this wolf creature. Like you could tell it, it's a wolf creature. Is it a werewolf or a wolf creature? The whole movie lets you decide that. Um, after he is killed, 
this girl keeps hearing. Now, remind you, she did give birth six weeks ago, and her friends think she's weirding out. She thinks she's hearing a baby crying in a distance until finally, after she's kicked her ex in the balls and was about to a second time, um, he hears it. So they go and look, and they find this old castle, and they go down there, and it's real dark. They only have flashlights, and they see this baby. And next thing they know, they're trying to see how they could get down there, and all it's laying down there is dead bodies galore with throats ripped out, missing legs, really gory stuff. It's cool. She picks up the baby, and next thing you know, it's cat and mouse. The werewolf is chasing them, or wolf creatures chasing them through the woods and through the countryside as they're trying to get back to meet this priest wherever he's at, at this like bread and breakfast thing, or bed and breakfast thing, uh, where he ends up banging the girl at the bed and breakfast thing, even though he's a priest. Uh, wow. You sound yeah. like you're describing some rejected script for like Howling 6. And you know what? <laughs> if it would have been like Howling 6, I would have loved it. This this movie is actually really good. They keep it simple. It's fun. Uh, and basically, once the girl has the baby, she's trying to protect the baby. She feels like, this is my motherly duty. You know, like, I didn't do it the first time around. I'm going to do it now. And basically, this wolf creature is finding ways to kill them off. They'll, like, as they're running, like, they'll try to uh, pick one of them off. And then it will lure them into a different part of the woods where they can't see. They fall over a hillside while the dudes go and try to help the one girl. Then it goes after the girl with the baby. Really cool stuff. I do not want to give up the ending because it's kind of, it's kind of cool and hokey at the same time. I, I, it has like an eighties type of ending. Very cool stuff. Everybody jumps in the air and it freeze frames as they high five. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. But <laughs> that's the most eighties ending. Yeah, it's the most eighties ending ever. No, it's kind of like a, a Bride of Chucky thing. I have not seen that movie in fucking years. I don't it just, even remember. It just has an ending like you were not expecting. <laughs> John but Water shows up. Well, that seed of Chucky, but that would have been awesome too. <laughs> I just, I, I was just Joe glad Nelson I. Nelson and Emilio Estevez show up and yeah. uh, play saxophone <laughs> at each other. I don't think they had the budget for those guys because the budget of went into. Well, they've got the latest Doctor Who in it. Peter Capaldi's in it. They, the budget went into more of the, uh, I should say, the gore effects. Well, that's good with werewolf movies. And the creature, somewhat. The only thing I didn't like is the very last. Uh, like, frame in the movie is CGI, but you understand why. But, like I said, I don't want to give up the ending. Check out this movie, guys. Where'd you do this? Where'd you get I just, the PR this from? I I just found it. I believe it might have been Chiller. It might have been Stars. I'm not sure. I just uh, constantly, you know, like Sunday nights before I go to bed, I'll just flip through the guide and start hitting record on stuff I've never seen. Yeah. I haven't seen and, the I haven't even seen the poster for this advertised. This was I, not even a big release in the UK. Yeah, I was gonna say this is a real little known film, and I'm kind of disappointed because Kyle, I think I remember somebody selling this movie at Wasteland last time we were up there. Really? And I just looked at it and I was like, oh, I don't know. Now I'm kind of like, man, I should have bought it. You know, it just it, it, it is ringing zero bells to me. I thought it was. 
I don't know. I thought it was this one movie that had these, I think it was called like Black Rock or something with these girls that go to an island and then there's a murder and crazy shit happens and, but it wasn't that. No, it's kind of like, um, when you go looking for like DVDs, like of, uh, the wild hunt, wild yeah. country comes up also. Okay. And I think that's why people, if you even think you don't want, movie, you don't want to mix wild country with wild hunt. You can have a real <laughs> yeah problem on your hands. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, that's why since you were on John, I was wondering if you heard of the movie and you said yeah. you haven't. And it's just like, it's this little UK film. Like I said, I could barely find even reviews on it. And that's why got I got drowned out by dog soldiers, which was a huge fucking hit. Yeah. And this is pretty decent. Like I said, simple to the point. Uh, doesn't, it, it, it's like a lean mean, doesn't wander too far away from what they wanted to do in the movie. It, it, like I said, they keep it, I think it's like 70 some minutes. It's like 75 at the most. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, the nice thing about British horror is there's normally something interesting going on in it, even if it's not 100% successful, because no British film really is very often. Uh, you know, um, there's always something going on that's a sort of interesting or different because they wouldn't have been able to have funded it, you know, if there wasn't, you know what I mean? Like yeah. most American movies, because you can always sort of find funding from anywhere, there's sort of a dearth of really shitty films because there's millions of films made every year, whereas there's only like three British films farted out in <laughs> every year, so... <laughs> Um, you have to kind of make sure that there's something going in or a star attached to it, you know. But yeah, definitely guys, if, uh, you're looking for another wolf movie to check out, check out Wild Country. I've really liked nice, it. I will do. Yeah, that's cool, man. I will yeah, do. I'm going to look it up. Um, of course, we're going to be talking Ginger Clown later on. Uh, another movie that somebody gave me a little while back and I finally got around to watching it. Definitely worth watching a movie that is very weird, I like very this. interesting. The Scribbler. Remember, I was telling you, Kyle, a couple weeks I ago. I just saw this is on Netflix now. Somebody gave me this movie and said, "Tim, it is, it is how they explained it. A horror. It's a comic book horror movie." Yeah, I, I was looking at this. I read the description and when I was looking up John's movie on Netflix. It is. Really good. I'm no lie. I think this is going to be in my top five movies of the year. Well, I know what I'm watching at the end of the night then. It just, it, I've never even heard of the comic book it's based on or even let alone even thought of it. But the movie stars Michelle Trachtenberg, Gina Gershon. Oh, Billy, Michelle Trachtenberg of Pete and Pete fame. Uh, Billy Campbell <laughs> and Elijah Dushku is in the movie and basically the movie begins with this detective and this doctor questioning this woman, uh, and she has she explains she had multiple personalities, and she basically explains she's in this female home for mental patients, and she's given this device that will eventually electrocute the other personalities out of her mind. Yep, this it stimulates the, the Yeah, it stimulates the brain and she has a personality deep inside of her called the scribbler that does not speak. Usually when she goes into a different personality, they talk, they like her doctor knows all of them, but the scribbler all it does is write. And it has a purpose. 
And that's all I'm going to say about the movie because the movie is just, like I said, starts off slow. It gets weird, but gets really fucking interesting as it goes. Uh-huh. I was, I really nice. got, got into the movie. <clears throat> like the first 20 minutes, I'm like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Let, it was, let's get the podcast over and done with quickly so Carl and I can both watch yeah. it before we get a bed and I'm just sitting there, I'm watching this, and like the first 20 minutes, I'm like, I don't know. And then once they start like getting into, she's electrocuting herself, and this machine starts building itself because of the scribbler, and <laughs> it's just, it, it, it borderlines just a tiny bit on Cronenberg stuff, like existence, kind of like. I love it, that movie. Yeah, it I'm reminds me now. a little bit of that, but it doesn't go over that line. It doesn't go into Cronenberg territory, but definitely worth checking out. It's a fun movie. I was glad this dude gave me the movie. This is the same dude that gave me Wolf Cop, so I knew I had something. Cool. Nice. So anyhow, I still uh, have to check out Wolf Cop. Oh, oh. man, it's great. Yeah, people are blowing up about that. It, <gasps> yeah. It, they're just going crazy for that Blu-ray right now. Uh, n- n- of course, my daughter and I watched Christine on Friday. Cool. Nice. It, she gave it the, she gave it the thumbs up, said it was a good movie. Nice. I said, of course it was. Mm-hmm. But this is the question I have for Yen's two guys, and I don't know why I never thought of this before. I'm sitting there watching Christine. First off, first time watching Christine, on a HD TV in any type of like just anything outside of VHS. Okay. Right. It looks amazing. It's John yeah. Carpenter. What do you expect? Usually some of those older movies though, I'm just like, man, this no, doesn't Carpenter shit when it's when, when Carpenter shit when it's blown up and like cleaned up and put on HD looks amazing. It, it looks the best. It's all that Oh, that's I saw the yeah. fucking thing on a yes. brand new 35 millimeter print on the big screen, and it's it's like it was made last week. He, I, I tell you what, he because of the the stories he chose to tell, he will never get his due. But he is better than Spielberg as yep. a director. Yep, better than Spielberg. He uses widescreen better than Spielberg. His stories are more interesting than Spielberg. His characters are better written. His movies look better. I mean, anyway. <laughs> the greatest filmmaker of our time, I would say yes. Yeah, he's up there. Him, like there's him and Kubrick and like that's probably two I can think of that are just Well the Co- I mean you've got things like the Cohen brothers and stuff, yeah. but they're sort of yeah. a different beast. Uh-huh. But the Cohen brothers have only really put a foot wa- wrong a couple of times. Carpet has only really put a foot wrong a couple of times, depending on who you talk to. Um, even I his, love all. Yeah, even his bad ones are strangely watchable. Uh, the fucking Mars movie, which name escapes me right now, but has Statham, Pam Grier. Right, goes one. Even that one, I fucking dig. Yeah. Uh, even that one, I've seen and enjoy. No, is it the thing? Is it? Uh-uh. Yeah, Christine. Is it Escape from New York? No, of course it's not. But it's fucking enjoyable. It's like a kick-ass pulp. You know, guys on Mars. Yeah, action sci-fi movie. It's a good, fun, like, B-movie pulp romp. You know what I mean? I fucking love it anyway. It's got my boy Statham in it and my lady Pam Grier. Yeah. There can be no bad. Yeah. Peter Jason. But I was going to say, I agree with you totally on the thing, just for the mere reason. The first, like, DVD outside of Leprechaun that I put in the DVD player to actually watch. <laughs> Why am I not surprised that that's the first DVD Tim ever watched? 
Tim was well, like, uh, I bought these DVDs. Leprechaun's got to go in first, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, Leprechaun, uh, Leprechaun I had on while I was hooking up the DVD player, so I knew what was going on back in the day when it was the first DVD player. Do you know the first DVD I ever put on, ever, on like a big screen TV with a proper, like, sweet multi-region player was uh, the Army of Darkness um, bootleg cut. You don't want to know my first DVD I ever bought. No, it's not the first DVD I ever oh. bought. It's the first one I put in to test out the TV. And this was the one I this was. It was AI. <laughs> oh yeah. wow! It's fucking That's a AI. different Kyle. That's a younger Kyle. Well, that was a Kyle that was like, "Hey, uh, I just got my tax check. I bought this. I need I need a DVD to go watch. <laughs> uh, there's a Spielberg movie with Al Jorgensen from Ministry in it, and it's about robots. And I've never seen it. It's got to be good. Kyle was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is. That that movie is like codone or codeine. It will just fucking knock you out. Put you to sleep. Yeah, because like I said, John Carpenter's the thing. That looked beautiful on DVD. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like I said, there is a lot of movies from around that time um, when Christine was made that you watch them on those cleaned up versions, DVDs or Blu-rays, and it's kind of like – Ah, uh, <laughs> it's just yeah. like you groan while watching it. It's a good movie still, but you're groaning because it took away some of that mystique that uh is some of the color and stuff. But yeah, Christine just looked beautiful. Uh, it was really cool seeing that. But I mean, even down to like I was, I sat watching the Elvis, um, Kurt Russell, John Carpenter Elvis movie the other day because uh, I'm covering it with a, a friend of mine on the show eventually, um, along with uh, La Bamba, <laughs> which should be a good double act. But even in the Elvis movie, which has an awful script, I mean, it just the script is terrible and plodding and whatever, but even in that TV movie, you, you can tell it's a Carpenter film. Like, it looks way better than it has any fucking right to look. You yep, know what I mean? yep. So, uh, and his use of shots and his use of like soundtrack and just everything about that it has, it has no right to look that good because the script is a watered down piece of shit, but it looks amazing and Kurt Russell's amazing. So it kind of wins the day, but uh, you know, he, he, he has just got an eye for, for detail and he picks good DPs, you know? Mm-hmm. Dean Cundy. But guys, awesome. but, my, but my question is about Christine Dean's guys. Right. Um, should have Carpenter and King gotten together more often? Because I'm sitting there, I'm watching that, I'm like, why did these two guys not get together more? Um, I don't know what, what what we do have liked them to see. I don't know. I just oh, like oh, come on, John Carpenter's The Stand? Yeah. Oh, fuck yes. Come on now. I would That'd have loved amazing. to see John Carpenter's Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> With the fucking trucks and shit, that would have been brutal as fuck. Kurt Russell uh, and some fucking greasy on probation cook. I want that. I mean, I'd, I'd happily see Carpenter, uh, King, and Russell do just about anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was just like these guys only did one movie, and that one movie was really good. It's like, why didn't you do this again? I was just like, because uh, Friday night I'm playing cards with friends and a couple of dudes there. They are big Stephen King like fans, and the one dude, Frank Craig, who I've known since sixth grade, he's just like to me. Christine is the best adaption of any book that's been done so far, and he's like, 
Hey, he sat there and thought about it. He's like, yeah, that's true. He's like, John Carpenter never thought about it before. <laughs> I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, you, you would have thought he would have done something else and nope. I would have, like, imagine John Carpenter's Tommy Knockers even. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I stayed away from that. I, at least no, he would have gave that a chance yeah. at least. Right. Carpenter would have done something interesting with it is what I mean. Like, I picked yes. Tommy Knockers because it's one of the worst. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, listen, I love Frank Darabont, but Tom, uh, uh, John Carpenter makes Shawshank Redemption. It's already a better movie. Mm-hmm. And that, why why is that movie considered the best movie of all time? I don't know. I don't ever understood that. That's IMDb's got a, like the biggest boner for that fucking movie. Because there's two problems with it. First of all, that movie looks like a TV movie. Shawshank Redemption looks like a TV movie. It doesn't matter whether you've got it on DVD, Blu-ray, or VHS. It looks like a TV movie, meaning the quality of the cameras that they use to film it. Mm-hmm. That's the first problem I have with it. And the second problem I have with it is the twist doesn't work. Because there's no way he can reattach that poster. The way it's filmed and the way it's set up, there is absolutely no way that he can put that poster back up at all. Because it has to, that poster has to be tightly pinned to the wall so that when they throw the rock, the rock actually goes through it. If the paper was loose and flapping, the rock would just bounce off it. It wouldn't go through it. It has to be taut. So how is he, considering the, he has to go, considering the hole is just big enough for him, right? Mm-hmm. He can't turn round in the hole, right? He, it's only as wide as his body. Mm-hmm. How does he put that poster back up on the wall? Magic. Right. So they're the two problems that I have with the movie. <laughs> <laughs> just ruined the Shawshank Redemption. Awesome. <laughs> Apart from that, I think Robbins is really good, and obviously my boy Sadler's in it, and I love uh, uh, um, Clancy Brown. Dies. Clancy Brown's incredible, and I like um, uh, Morgan Freeman. All that I love all that, and I think Darabont did what a, you know a, a, an early and or first time director. He did a fucking phenomenal job with it. But, but I've but, always made this. I've always made the argument that The Green Mile is such a better movie than The Shawshank Redemption in the in the Stephen King go to prison movies, that was oh, okay. the best. Yeah, again, I think Tom Hanks is miscast in that. But. A little bit, but he works. I mean, everybody around him is great. He works enough, yeah. I mean, I think the best King uh, uh, Darabont collaboration is The Mist. Oh, of course, yeah. But people fucking hate the ending. I love the ending. I think the ending's people, great. That ending gets people's backs up. Such I love the un- ending, too. Yeah, such an un-Hollywood ending. I loved it. Right. And watch it in black and white because it kicks ass in black and white. Mm-hmm. I think it was supposed to be that way. It was. On the double disc, Darabon has put on a black and white version of it, which is how he would have done it. And when you watch it black and white, you see that the lighting choices he makes and the way he films it is specifically designed to be like one of those old 50s monster movies. Mm-hmm. So what else, Tim? Uh-oh. Tim's gone. The ghost of Gregory Hines has got Tim. Okay, so what were we talking about? I forgot. Is John there? John's I'm here. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, could, I hear him completely fine now. Yeah. What else uh, do you watch? Uh, of course, I watched Apocalypse uh, Pompeii. 
<laughs> That's fucking a redundant title. What? What's? Gee, what is this movie about? It was on Sci-Fi Channel last then, night. Wait a so. minute. Hold on. Hold on. Just a second. The better question is, Sci-Fi Channel ripped off that bomb Pompeii. <laughs> but they don't know it's going to be a bomb because they start to rip it off just when it's announced. Well, they, it, well this you know, Hollywood the- announces we're going to do a Pompeii movie and Sci-Fi Channel or, or the Asylum already roll into production. I was going to say Asylum yeah. rolled in production. The sad part was Sci-Fi Channel waited a year to put it on. Because <laughs> they were just like, um, no. <laughs> it's just, but this is the weird part. Apocalypse Pompeii is literally the first newer movie Sci-Fi Channel's put on probably since January. I don't know. <laughs> they did this last year, and it bothers the crap out of me that they, they've gone away from having a new Saturday night movie like every two weeks. Yeah, I know you were complaining about that a while ago. Yeah, and it was last year, same time. Just, this is literally the only second movie since New Year's. But I watched that mainly because it has John Reese Davies in it. And Don't they all? Yes. And, point. They and have him in the, in the belly of that steel beast. Well, <laughs> I, I love it because he's been doing Sci-Fi Channel's movies ever since he did Chupacabra Terror. And Ooh, that reminds just, me of something. I'll, I'll tell it, you later. It, it's a fun, it's just the fun stuff. But this movie, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Of course, it's <laughs> fucking bad. But is it a good bad? No. Oh. It's, it's horrible bad. I could just see Pompeii, the, the, like, the image in my mind is of the Mount Vesuvius going up, and John Reese Davis just sweating, running, huffing and puffing, sweat going down his no, beard, no. his little fez flying around on top of his No, head. actually, he is, like the guy, inside guy to help Adrian Paul's character to get his family out of Pompeii since it's exploding again. What does Adrian Paul have to worry about? He's the Highlander. Big fucking deal. He gets melted in lava. He won't die. <laughs> I'm just telling you what's going on. I love the way Carl just assumes, well, he's still playing the Highlander. He's the fucking Highlander. He's not going to die. <laughs> about it. But outside of that, that was all I watched, but I did mention it on the last podcast, and since John Cross is on, I wanted to talk about it a little bit more. Um, Mario Dominic's, I've read the book this week, the whole entire book, which is a huge book like mine, so it tells you it was actually interesting. I don't usually do that. It's called Exploring the Underground, the Mainstream Viewer's Guide to Low-Budget Horror and Cinema. Uh Mario goes about his way for a couple of years of going to different independent film companies or filmmakers like Beelzebub, uh, Toe Tag Pictures, Mike and Amy Watt from Happy Cloud Pictures, uh, Ryan Caveline from Four Floor Pictures, gets into these people that are really into the mainstream of independent film is the base you know, baseline for the, these guys are known among people that buy independent films. Right. And basically, instead of just reviewing the movie like I do, I've always wanted to possibly do something like this, but wasn't sure. Mario went out. He told me about it all during the process of this book. And I kept telling him, you, I can't wait to see it. And he worked on it for over four years. Great book. I finished it. It is literally 
if you know nothing about these guys, put it this way. I learned a lot about a lot of these filmmakers and projects that we most likely will never see and projects that are upcoming. Cause he even talks to Chris Seaver of low budget pictures. Um, they get a little bit into trauma, things of that nature. And it really explains to the people that do not watch independent films at all or dabbles in it, like picks up one or two. If you go to a wasteland or a horror realm or a Texas frightmare, uh, some, you know, one of these conventions that does have some of the independent filmmakers, it basically helps you along to have an idea of what you're getting off a lot of these filmmakers. Is this movie for you? Uh, is it something of your interest? Is it something that, you know, you would like to know more about? He really gets into that process. He asks them a ton of questions, spends a lot of time, but what's great about it is it's such an easy read. And I said this to Kyle last week, John, uh, What's really cool is this could be like another bathroom book where you can read about a filmmaker or their little production company like Low Budget Pictures or Happy Cloud Pictures. Take a dump. Be done with that chapter. It's in chapters. It's great. It, it, you know, you yeah, don't spend I like a lot those of books. Yeah. yeah, you literally can jump around in the book. It's, you know what I mean? It's not. No, Joe yeah, Bob yeah. structures his books. Yeah, exactly. This is exactly how it is. Uh, Mario did a magnificent job on this. Um, he's one of the like three writers I really, you know, I always pay attention and always say they're smarter than me. Another two are Art Edinger of Ultraviolent, which he's part of the reason gross movie reviews got out there to begin with. He, he actually published the first review I've ever written into Ultraviolent magazine, uh, quite a few years ago. He's a cool dude. Plus, if you ever see him at a convention and I'm nearby, he picks up my book and his monotone voice reads random reviews. And <laughs> some of his favorite read cool. are, are reviews of the Steven Seagal movies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but he does this. And what's great is every time he does it, I sell a book. Nice. <laughs> he's, he's hilarious, but he does it in the most monotone voice there is. Oh, uh, man. I can't wait till next year where I can actually attend some of these events finally. It's going to be so kick-ass. Oh, yeah. And then there's Mike Watt, which I think he's just after all these years of writing and making movies, his past two books really have found his, stri- his stride. I love in those books. Yeah, and I know Kyle bought one. He just came out with another one because the movie Outlaw, which I started reading off and on in a really grabs like movies it's not horror related there is a couple in there but it grabs movies you never heard of and like kyle and i sunny boy yes sunny boy blue collar Mm -hmm. was one that i actually after we did the podcast had a discussion with mike about it and he's like yeah just wanted like movies that are out there that no one can find but do exist and he really goes through the effort of you know, explaining to you why the movie isn't out there, you know, does a few interviews. Great stuff. Mike, Mike Watt does yeah. great stuff, but Mario Dominic. And that's why, uh, John, that's why you gotta go to Wasteland because right when you, the, the first people you meet right when you walk through the door of Wasteland is Mike and Amy. Yeah. They are cool fucking dudes. It's, uh, every time it is Pam, who is the husband of Blurry Man, mm-hmm. uh, who yeah, runs Blurry the Wasteland. Right there too. Yeah. 
they, they're the first table. Next to them is Mike and Amy. And the next table is Ultraviolet with Art Edinger. And half of the time, I'm usually sitting at that table for 20 or 30 minutes for no apparent reason other than Art will tell me, hey, sit down, I need you to sell me something. And usually get free beer just sitting there, yeah. and it just it's a lot of fun. That's when but Kyle again, goes, walks around, and uh, finds <laughs> the guy to feed me beef thinner. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and if interested, anybody that uh, listens to this podcast, if you're interested, I believe Totag Pitchers, who are always at Wasteland, will have copies for sale. Uh, Mike and Amy's Table, Happy Cloud Pitchers, I think they will have copies for sale. Great project that he's been doing for the past four and a half years. I'm glad he got it out there. Very good book. If you ever, uh, ever wanted to know, really dive into independent filmmaking and about the people behind a lot of these low budget movies, these no budget movies, this is a perfect book for it. It is great reading material. It's interesting. Like I said, I started, I like, I read two, like two chapters Saturday and I told Kyle about it before the, during the podcast last week, John. And what did I do this week? I just read the rest of the book. It just, nice. it, it's literally like 500 pages. What's it, it called? Does, it is, let me get you the title again. It is called Exploring the Underground, the Mainstream Viewer's Guide to Low Budget Horror Cinema. Oh, that's from, uh... Yeah, I'll post a picture in the next couple of minutes and I'll, Make sure you guys see it. Uh, great stuff. Uh, that was the other thing I did this week was check that book out. Now I could go back to Mike's uh, Movie Outlaw book, uh, the second book he's put out recently. See, I haven't, I haven't got to the second one yet. I've just read the first one. Yeah, I've read the first one. He gave me the second one. Uh, the past last wasteland he gave it to me. Yeah, I know. I was standing right beside you. Yeah, I've been, I've been checking it out off and on, but like not giving it to do, you know, sit down and cuz I was sitting there and I I emailed him after I read I think like the first 75 80 pages of it and I was like I read this book I was telling him I was like I read this book so I, I could become smarter. I was like this book is too smart for me. <laughs> We gotta, we gotta get a hold of that Sonny Boy, man. Oh, I've, Brad Dorf and Drag and Paul. I used to have a VHS copy somebody gave me, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like a great copy. It was somebody, like one of those where, hey, I taped it off this double VHS player for you. Okay. That's, that's the mission. You gotta remind me at Wasteland. That's what I'm looking for. Sonny Boy. Boy. Yeah, I gotta see. I gotta see Paul Smith like lug around a cannon. Oh, it's it's hilarious. I gotta see that. So, did you see anything else? Nope, that's it. Well, I've been watching a bunch of uh, just random bunch of stuff. Uh, Netflix dropped season nine of the Trailer Park Boys, which I literally came home on Saturday and watched eight hours of. Damn, it is still the greatest fucking show. Like eight seasons, you'd think it'd get old. Nope. It, it just gets better. They introduce a couple new characters that are great. Uh, the guy who runs the trailer court, Jim Leahy, is the greatest pratfall drunk of all time. Like, even better than Chevy Chase. I don't know. I, I don't know. I know you've never seen Trailer Park Boys, but has John ever? Have you ever watched it, John? The first few seasons. I'm, oh, I'm a fan. It's so good. J-Rock J shows up. He's got a bigger role. Holy cat Randy's running around with his with his fucking big cheeseburger gut. <laughs> oh, he's slimy as shit. 
And it is, I hope these guys never stop because it never gets old and it's always fucking hilarious. So that's a big thumbs up. And season eight was great too. They're Netflix originals now. Uh, for a while there, they didn't have the rights to the characters, so they made a movie about not having the rights to the characters anymore. And <laughs> That's that movie actually kind of funny. That movie was called Swearnet the Movie, which was glorious, and they got the rights back, so we got a season eight and season nine. So that's a big, I was so happy. I was just... So they're not doing it for Canadian TV anymore. It's all it, on Netflix. Netflix owns them. Yep. And nice. They, they shit the whole season out. And I literally sat and didn't move for like eight hours, watched the whole goddamn season. Uh, See, you sound like me, what I've been doing with X-Files lately. Oh man, dude, Trailer Park Boys just is, the, it just hits the spot. It's so fucking funny. And other than that, I watched Riddick again, because the first time I really liked it, but I wanted to watch it again because I love, uh, that movie is, I love it. I really like it, but you can tell there was problems behind it because they, I guess uh, I, I was reading about it. It got shut down, and then like Vin Diesel kind of had to go lobby. Hey, uh, let's let's make this. Come on! And he had to lobby to get get that made after that. You know, and it's are, a good movie. Oh, it's fucking great! I love it. How like the first half hour, there's barely a word spoken, just like the first Conan movie. It's awesome. It's just about him and that dog getting acclimated to that fucking planet and seeing what's around. And then then it kind of shits the bed when the space marauder guys show up. But uh, but I liked it enough. I liked, uh, what's his face, Batista. In yeah. A, in a non-Guardians of the Galaxy. It gave role. it, it gave it, I think the point of them was to give it something to connect the other movies to that. I'm glad it pulled back in scope because that's where that, that second movie really shit the bed. I mean, I like that movie. Oh, yeah. But boy, that just, they took a bite that they could not swallow. That just blew this little tiny movie that was pitch black into this huge universe that, like, you should have probably, if you wanted to make it that big, that movie probably could have been three or four different movies with the amount of shit they tried to Yeah, it through. could have been expanded, but they did it, like, in the bad way. Yeah, they let's expanded cram. it. Uh, cram all this stuff into one movie and it really didn't work but hey you got a carl urban with a crazy space mullet running around in there yep it's pretty awesome and he shows back up for about five seconds and riddick just to leave yeah but i i just love those movies that are like but take that conan uh that original conan kind of template where it, no talking for the first half hour and it's just all set up and getting to know the world and then it goes from there but this one it kind of suffered because it got shut down i think it lost a little bit of its steam but you got starbuck in there kicking ass showing her boob which was <laughs> pretty good pretty cool like starbuck boob but yeah. uh before star we, boob yeah star boob space boobs they're always great um yeah. hbo2 i have just been watching it all weekend cuz they've got uh, season one through four marathon of Game of Thrones going on right now. So I just jump in and out of it. Saw my woman, uh, Brianna Tarth earlier, punch a bear in the face and knock the fuck out of it. <laughs> the greatest, easily the greatest scene in Game of Thrones history. Brianna Tarth versus a bear. Um, 
Is that is that like a hard back? Because it used to be that back in the eighties when they were making action shows that everyone had to fight a bear. You know, the Hulk fought a bear, and uh, Texas Ranger fought uh, fought a bear, and Walker, uh, Texas Ranger fought a bear. He fought a bear, yeah. <laughs> I know. Hercules you haven't seen versus... Chuck Norris versus the bear? No, I saw Hercules throw like the old Ferrigno Hercules throw a bear into outer space. Right, that's the thing as well. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I don't know, man. Maybe because back in the seventies, everybody had to fight Bigfoot. Right, so now in the eighties, everyone had to fight bears. I don't know who they fight in the nineties. This had to, this tradition had to go on. Leprechaun. Uh, <laughs> fight leprechauns in nineties. I don't know. We didn't really have those shows in the nineties. No. They didn't really make those kind of like forty-minute action serials every week. Oh. I mean, Buffy, I guess, but she fought everybody. And, uh, yeah, and there had, was, wait a minute, did, did Hercules or, um, Xena ever fight a bear? I'm sure that had to happen. No, 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 they didn't. They I mean, just, I know they fought bad production values. <laughs> yeah, they just chased a, they chased a bear away, but they didn't fight him. But Buffy, they did, there was... Buffy I fought a bear? No, they did make a big deal when she fought Dracula. Yeah. It was right after the high school graduation. <laughs> well, because it was the same. It was the same guy who had played Dracula in some successful miniseries on TV or something. Yeah, yeah, because it was right like. It sure wasn't that TV miniseries Dracula from NBC. That thing shut no, no. after the third episode. Because it was the, their big season finale. It was like. Uh, as, I guess it would be the third season of Buffy, I believe it was. The big season finale was the whole graduation day and they take down the mess. The, yeah, they <laughs> blew up the school and all that stuff. And like they came back and this was gonna be season four was the season, okay, we gotta actually have her in college. And it was like they had these few first few episodes, like you could tell the series was trying to find its footing on what they were gonna do next with this character. But Definitely. it was so it was so popular that they had to do something that no one that watched the show yet has seen. And they built up, uh, I believe it was an early October episode or mid-October. It was the very first episode of the fourth season. Was it the first? Cause it was I, the very first episode. It, it, and- yeah, because I remember them building it up for like a month and a half on the CW or UPN or whatever it was at the time. But it was her versus Dracula. And they really built up this whole thing for that at that time. So, again, like I said, they, did it, anyone I, else fight Dracula in the nineties? I didn't. Not that I. Buffy movie. Yeah, I mean Rucker Hauer. Yeah. That's why I brought it up. I, I didn't know. Well, Rucker Hauer is always fighting Dracula at one point or another. Well, he was Dracula in the. Buffy the movie. vampire. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, no, yeah. With Paul Rubens. Has there ever been another actor portray Van Helsing and Dracula? I wonder. Probably. Surely Cushing or uh, someone Yeah, like I was going to say Cushing or Christopher Lee probably did. No, we're going to give that title to Rutger Hauer. You win, <laughs> sir. But no, Game of Thrones is great. I love it. Um, I watched... We talk about those ESPN 30 for 30s every once in a while. Yeah. You oh, catch yeah. one. Uh, there's a really good one I watched after I watched John, John's movie today. I don't know why I watched, like, I was telling John, I hate how Netflix, like, they don't let you see everything no. by, by genre. They'll only recommend you stuff in different categories based on what you've watched. 
So I don't know how Netflix, like I watch John's movie on Netflix, and then at the end it'll suggest stuff to you. If you like, this is what it says, if you liked The Devil Within Her, you'll also like ESPN 30 for 30 Small Potatoes. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I like these 30 for 30s. I don't know what you're, you're fucking, clearly you're drunk, Netflix, go home. But I watched it. It was really cool. It was about, do you remember the uh, USFL, the United States Football League? Yes. Pittsburgh had a team, the Maulers. Yeah, the Maulers, yeah, had Mike Rozier as a running back on there. Yep. Yeah, it was all about the USFL was the ABA of the NFL. It was like oh, it was it, it, here yeah. in Pittsburgh. It was horrible to the point where they would play at Old Three River Stadium, which yep. holds sixty thousand, sixty-five thousand people, and four thousand people would show up. Mm-hmm. And there was a game that they literally should have called that there was three inches of rain that day. And they you don't play. call NFL games. What are you talking about? Oh, dude, about? it was like a hurricane. It was like that Miami Dolphins game when the Steelers played Miami Dolphins and they kicked the football and it hit the ground and it didn't move. It stuck in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> they, it was the Maulers and I forget who. You don't who they were. call NFL games, man. Dude, they couldn't even throw the ball. It was just. That's why, that's why you got a running game. You don't call oh, it the running. The guys trying to run the ball were falling down even before they were getting handled. Well, have you ever seen fucking, what's the one football movie with Rob Snyder calling the plays up in there and he says, any hydroplanes to the 45? I, do. I don't know. You don't call NFL game. The fucking Freezer Bowl murdered people. And they didn't call that fucking game. No, they didn't. God damn it. But the USFL one, it's called Small Potatoes. It's really cool about how the, the, you know, they, at first, you know, they, they form this league. Is, is this the small potatoes? Okay. Is this one like a 30 minute one or was this one like a 90 minute? Cause if it was the 90 minute one, I've seen this. Yeah. It's the 90 minute one. Okay. Trump, okay. Trump was in it and it was basically like the USFL was formed out of dudes who were overlooked by the NFL, but they really weren't formed. They never let it to be known that they were going to try to compete with the NFL, but that's, you know, they really were. And it, this was the football that was played in the spring, you know, because it's, it's spring now. And it's like I said on Facebook, this is the dark times, the sad times, the lonely times, the, the times between football season and Game of Thrones season. Yeah. My soul is literally hurting for something to watch on TV right now. And that is not The Walking Dead. Um, they they sign uh Marshall Falk was like their big deal. He got that league off the ground. It was the Heisman Trophy winner, and then in and then it's like the guy who directed this documentary. Well, used, Herschel Walker got paid. That's what many, I meant, Herschel Walker. Yeah, Herschel Walker got paid how many millions million of dollars? Four. Yeah, which was ridiculous at that time. Yeah, I meant to say Herschel Marshall Falk, not Herschel Walker, but. You know, they got this fledgling thing. It's going pretty good. Donald Trump buys a team. Yeah. <laughs> wrecks this whole fucking league because his ego went crazy, and it's really good. I love, like, slap shot and shit like that about these minor league teams and all the shit they used to have to do. And there's that wonderful documentary. I'm sure you've seen it, John, on Netflix, The Bastards of Baseball. With, uh, that Rumble. movie. I thought it was really good. Yeah, this is – that of the NFL. It's Yeah, well the other thing too is Trump 
like tried to get the USFL owners to sue the NFL to allow them to draft the same players as the NFL in Lost. Yeah, well, this this documentary makes kind of roundabout makes the claim that Donald Trump bought a team, didn't give a fuck about where this league was going, what it was going to do. Oh yeah, didn't care if he ran it into the ground, it was all about elevating Donald Trump's name. Yeah. Which, oh yeah. Fuck. Donald Trump is a media scumbag, but like a fascinating media scumbag. He's just got that weird charisma about him. He's kind of like Nightcrawler <laughs> that way. But it's really good. Expect, I, love I kind of expect like his wig to lift up one night and like Quato be under there. Yeah. <laughs> from Total Recall, yeah. like his wig just flaps up and underneath he's like, "Hello, I've been controlling this guy for years." He's got two little levers running. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the machine on. <laughs> he, Donald Trump is the Cohagen of Earth. Yeah, that's what oh, he is. Shit. Oh, God, we've made a revelation here on the podcast. Yes, but it's all contained underneath his wig. Mm-hmm. Somebody just goes, need to knock that off of him. Right, either that, or you remember, you're a, you're a Buffy fan, Tim, as we were yes. talking a bit. Remember, um, it might be another season four episode, but when she's working in the diner, the Double Meat Palace, and the old woman, <laughs> Double Meat Palace. the old woman, when she takes off her wig, has like a big snake head that comes out of the top of her head. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, I think Donald Trump could have one of those. <laughs> I like the koala. It goes, I will swallow your face, and it just comes out in people's faces. Yeah, it's it's really good. I watched that. Yeah, I just see Donald Trump as like a big fat child in a diaper, sat there in a sandpit, going, "I'm going to make another tower." You know, that's I just see him do that. That's this is all my sandbox. Yeah, he just kind of goes, I'm going to make something that looks like a big cock and put my name on it. What's really funny is in England, his name means fart. If you do a Trump, it's like you're farting, right? (laughs) So like Trump Towers to us is just like a big tower full of guffs. (laughs) Fart Tower. Fart Tower. I like that. But what else did I watch? I watched uh, some... Oh, God, what was it called? It was a documentary on Netflix, too. Back Issues. Uh, this is, this would be an Ed Demko jam, if you know what I mean. He loves mm-hmm. that 70s porno shit. Yeah. This is a, this is an Ed Demko joint, let me tell you. If you're listening, buddy, this is up your alley. It's all about Larry Flint and his relationship with Penthouse and Guccione and how they all kind of like, all that, you know, all that 70s backstory porn and how it, all that stuff. It's really good. I'm not going to talk too much about it. Um, and what? that's all I watched, I think. Nice. I think. But I did have, since you kind of just made me laugh when you were fucking talking about Dracula. Um, it, was my <laughs> gran- it was my grandma's birthday. So, you know, we're all old in my, fa- in my family. Old. Old enough not to have birthday parties anymore. So what we do is, whoever's birthday it is, we give them a hundred bucks. We go to the casino that night. So it was grandma's birthday. We all pooled our money. We gave her a hundred bucks. We took her to the casino. And I always play this this slot machine, Van Helsing. And and I'm playing the machine beside it because it's another Van Helsing machine. And there's this really cool dude 
sitting next to me who reminded me of Gene Gene, the dancing machine from the gong show. <laughs> He's like this very large, friendly ass black man. And he's just talking to me because it's so much more fun to play and, and lose and win with, with somebody who's having fun right beside. I don't know this guy from Adam, but he, he will get there and, and, and Van Helsing has Dracula on it. Like the slot machine, it's got Van Helsing and Dracula and chicks and spades and clubs and hearts and trunk and shit like that. And Dracula's the best you can get. He's pulling the lever and almost every time he goes, come on, Dracula, give me Dracula. Come on, Dracula. <laughs> it was just cracking me up. My God, that guy was so funny. If I knew his name, I'd throw him in the Hall of Fame that we don't have anymore. <laughs> so from guy. now on, it's no longer Dracula, it's Dracula. Dracula, yeah. yeah. It was great. He had such an Indiana accent. I love this man. I don't know who you are, sir, <laughs> but you are awesome. <laughs> he was great. I love this man. Who are you? <laughs> but, I don't uh, know who you are, but yes. I love um, Do you want to do some Can You Diggits? Sure. Uh, okay. Do we have any questions this week? Yes, we have many questions. But we'll do the yeah. Can You Dig It's because uh, do you guys have any? Because I don't. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? I was going to say, the only thing I really have is about... Uh, X-Files, apparently now more news about X-Files is not just is it going to be six episodes, but they're trying to get the band back together. Basically, anybody that's even worked as a writer or behind the scenes, they're trying to get everybody hmm. to, to be a part of – to basically be a part of – It's six episodes? It's going to be six episodes. But oh, I've read man. somewhere where – Is this like a just try it out? Yes. That's what it comes down to. I don't know if, if this could be good or bad because I hate how AMC does this fucking half season six episode bullshit. Do you know well, what worries me about it? Is my favorite thing about the X Files was the one off episodes. If they're doing six episodes, it's gonna all be one fucking story arc, and I don't fucking care. I only no, care about the one-off episodes that were really that's, fucking cool. I was going to say, that's what they're claiming, is that all six episodes will be one-offs. See how it goes. That doesn't sound like a very... I don't believe that. Right, but then, uh, but if we can have one-off episodes, make a 12 or... I mean, part of it is both of with Julian Anderson doing Hannibal and David Duchovny doing this other show, I guess they're trying to basically let them get these shows out of their system. And it sounds like from what I've read that if this goes well to gear up to do a more extensive X-Files. It will. I mean, I'm not worried about that. I just don't, I don't know. I would almost rather have a six episode arc of how, you know, putting the X-Files back together and why it has to come back together. You know what I mean? Oh, I know what you're saying. Then have the one-offs. But that's but Carl, that's going to be the arc. Okay. The 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 the, the six episodes, it, they can't do like some big complicated. This is really the conspiracy. This ends the no, thing. No, no. Forget yeah. what they can't do that, right? Um, especially if they want to, like Tim is saying, gear it up for a new season. All they can do is do six. If they're going to do one-off episodes, do six one-off episodes during which. 
there is Get five minutes to ten together. minutes an episode where they are explaining why. Let's say UFO sightings and monster sightings and blah, 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 blah have been quiet now for ten years or whatever it is, however long they're going to say since movie two was made. I don't know if that's going to be part of the continuity or what, but let's say it's been 10 years or whatever it's been, and they've been like, there's no sightings, and then all of a sudden, there's going to be like 50 sightings or something like that, and that's why they're going to have to reopen it. You know what I mean? It's going to be something like that. Okay, that's what I want. Right, but that's, I mean, I don't know what else they can do. Yeah. Because if they're really getting everyone back together, they've got to establish the X-Files being reopened. Yeah. I just know. I just know. Tim has a boner. I can see from. Oh yeah, it, about it, this. I between this and Hannibal, I'm like beyond minute, excited. Wasn't the smoking man like some big hippie dude in a cave at the end of it? Like yes, sitting, yeah. So like he can't be in it. Yeah, but they're talking about like all the people that worked behind the scenes who oh, were okay. writers and producers. Is Mitch Pileggi coming? <laughs> I want my Mitch Pileggi back. I was going to say, all those people, even the secondary people, are all in some form of talks of being, uh, basically being, you know, hey, we want you to be a part of the new X-Files. Like, like they, they're, they've said, Chris Carter has even come out and said, and basically, it's just been one long commercial break. And now we're coming back from it. And he said, no subject is off the table. He wants to just have everybody come back and wants, yeah, he, he wants everything. He wants, so it has me excited because. An X-Files Critters crossover. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> I would, oh dude, I With would love it. With a cameo from Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> and if, oh, they need a cameo from Scott Grimes. Yep. And if they do a Leprechaun episode, they have to have a cameo with Jennifer Aniston, but they have to give her her old nose back. <laughs> they'll CGI. They'll CGI. CGI the old nose. nose. Yeah. I'm I'm excited. I will watch it. I think they need to go fucking crazy though, right? They need to find out that like like Donald Trump has Quato in his head, or, or you know Neil Young's guitar is possessed by the ghost of. Albert Finney or something like I don't know like I am excited alive, because like, some yeah. say, is Albert Finney dead I'm not sure either. no no Albert Finney's still alive so the 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 is Dick Van Dyke dead yet I don't think so that's a oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know that legally alive yes <laughs> they find out that Dick Van Dyke is is uh, is really an alien Dick from... Van Dyke is just a singing tumor. Yeah, <laughs> he's an intergalactic tumor that <laughs> fell to Earth in the sixties. He pratfalled his way to Earth. Right, I'm down. I watch it definitely. I think they need to go batshit with it, though. They really do. I think they will. I think they're gonna go back to what made it creepy and fun. I think they're gonna revisit a lot of material. That's why I said fucking uh, tombs has to come back. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I said to Fusselman, I said, I know it's just everybody's like imagination, everybody writing stuff, but I said I wrote, I've read something on one of the sci-fi websites. I thought this was going to start with I wrote some fan fiction. No, I read something on one of the sci-fi websites. Boulder and Mitch Pileggi get down to it and do a sixty-nine. I wrote some slash fiction with Pileggi and because somebody was claiming. There, this is like, hey, get ready. We are going to see the sequel to Fluke Man. And I was like, because Rick Fusselman's a big 
fan of X-Files also, and we both always talk about the Fluke Man episode, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But also, too, like you were saying about the fan fiction, I, of course, went and visited Lance Henriksen's site and his Millennium Group and everybody he's talks got about a, He's got a wrinkly old boner for this, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, he's gone crazy, and he was asking fans, is there any way of Frank Black returning? And apparently... Chris Carter is not denying that there is a chance we will see the Frank Black character in the new series. Nice. Which would be awesome. That'd be amazing. Would I and mean, let me ask you two guys, throw it open. Would you want Campbell's demon from season I don't, five, season six? No, he was a one and done type of character. Yeah, it's it's not like tombs. It's not like Fluke oh, yeah, no. Man. I was uh, just throwing Campbell's name out there. No, just there's just... What's great about X-Files is there is a lot of episodes they can go back to. I like, the, I mean? I like the one where it was like... Uh, it really wasn't even a creature. It was just like that idea floating around that inner city L.A. where whatever scared you is what showed up like... Uh, they showed up at the old Mexican lady's house, and she thought she thought like Freddy Krueger was coming to kill her. Do you remember <laughs> well, that episode? That was a good one. Because there was even I was watching like fourth season last night. I was watching more of it like two o'clock in the morning last night. And an episode called Small Potatoes, uh, where the dude able to make him like morph into whatever like their favorite thing is, and he like impregnated five different women in this small town and the one lady's like, yeah, I had sex with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> it, it just like, it, 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 just that kind of stuff, because at one point in the show he morphs into Mulder and tries to bang Scully. Nice. It, like, before they really got the relationship going. This isn't some erotic X-Files fan fiction we're talking about? No, 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 no. It just, the fourth season is the season, like, they hit their stride, but also the season everybody paid attention. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it was like their biggest season, biggest ratings of the time, too. I remember one episode. I have one Can You Dig It, by the way. Okay. So, yeah. There was one episode where I distinctly remember they were, they were called to an island or something, and people kept dying mysteriously, and they thought, like, cockroaches were killing these people? Yes, it was but where... it was just a bunch of, like, uh, coincidences that happened. Like, one guy strained too hard taking a shit, and he died, and they found all the cockroaches, and it was about killer cockroaches, but not. Yeah, it, it, it's not like where there were metal and they, like... Something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's an episode from season one, late in, late in season one or early season two. Yeah, it's a good episode because I it's like back to these man. A chiller's been. I think it's starting Thursday. Chiller goes back to episode one after uh, ep- it will be season five, episode three. I think they stopped at. I don't Is even. That, they're not on Netflix jail. anymore. I don't know. Chiller's been playing the crap out of X Files for about a year. I didn't now. even know the X Files were ever on Netflix, were they? Yeah. No shit. I thought so. Were they not? Well, uh, we've all got the internet. We can get them if we want. <laughs> They're on one of the things, I think. So, what do you got for Can You Dig It, John? Well, I don't know if you've talked about it or not, but have you discussed more rats too, or do you not care? I I watch it. No, we haven't can discussed you- it. This is the first I've heard of it. I just know. Okay. Can you dig it, Mallrats 2? I thought Kevin Smith was doing Clerks 3, which I could dig more than Mallrats 2. He's doing Clerks 3. I yes. 
I can actually dig more rats two more than Cloaks three, and I'll tell you why. Is I think Cloaks two ends perfectly. Yes, you're right. It does. I think I... anything that you do with Cloaks three, I don't care how clever he gets with it, uh, sort of fucks up that nice symmetry. I was going to say, I just had this conversation Friday night when I was playing cards with friends, again, who are big fans of Kevin Smith. And the biggest problem is right now is Kevin Smith is being – people are actually throwing him money, mm-hmm. which has really never happened before. And they're like, hey, go make Mulrats 2. Hey, go make Clerks 3. Like he's just like pooping out ideas. For the you know, what, what's what what's happening is before he had the Miramax guys, the Weinstein's, basically giving him. Initially, it was like three uh, three mil, then five mil, then ten mil, then I think Jane Silent Bob is like thirty mil or whatever. Um, and you know he broke ranks with them, and he independently financed Red State. And then he didn't do any movies for a while. And then he uh, got into bed with like A24, that new releasing company that's been releasing a bunch of independent pictures. And they did uh, Tusk. And mm. now because Tusk, uh, uh, now because he always makes his money back overseas because they only give him three or four mil. It's not like they're giving him yeah. Oh, yeah. 20, 30 mil. They're only giving him three or four mil. And just selling the overseas rights gives them like puts them in the black like just selling the overseas rights covers the three or four mil and then he can basically go off and do whatever the fuck he likes. kevin right? smith is a guy that that works better with three or four mil yes i agree to, like i would rather see the three or four million dollar kevin smith movie than the 20 million dollar kevin smith movie. i love the fact that he has been given like tim says three to four mil to do a whole bunch of ideas that he came up with either on podcasts or sequels to his previous films or whatever it is. Why well, it was baked. Well, well oh, I yeah. mean, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I'm not a, like, I don't care that, that people smoke pot or whatever or whatever, but I'm not, I'm, I, I am distinctly not a fan of people like talking about pot as if it's cool. I think we talked about this once, like it's yeah, not, we did. It's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. big fucking secret. Everybody smokes right. pot. Right, it's just deal. bullshit that he yeah, goes, on about, or goes on about Yeah, I don't either, but I, goddamn, I have before. I'm the guy who doesn't own a cell phone or smokes pot. Right. <laughs> like but it's not like this big... Well, Tim, I don't, I don't smoke pot and I only just got my first cell phone last week. So. Okay, we'll see then. I am not alone. Welcome right. to Grandpa Cast. Yeah. <laughs> Get off my lawn. But no, so I'm more interested in, in More Rats Part 2. I mean, uh, Lee is back. Um, Michael Rooker is back. Stan yeah, because he's taking, he's going around taking selfies with everybody he's getting into the which movie. Which I love. I think that's really cool. They're all uh, the same characters, I take it. Yeah, Ethan Dupli yes. is back. Shannon Doherty is back. I don't know. If that mall I mean, culture fucking even London? exists anymore, though. If what happens? The mall culture. I don't think that's yeah, a I thing mean, anymore. It, it doesn't fucking matter. He'll figure out something. I was going to say, maybe that's what this movie tackles. Is maybe. That. Who cares? He's doing Moose Jaws and the Krampus movie. Like, I can't wait. I don't care. I thought Tusk was really good. for. I really fucking dug Tusk. And, oh yeah, yeah. We and liked I really too. liked Red State, and and as long as he gets good casts, which he seemingly does, like Smith has endeared himself enough to like the Hollywood fringes that he always gets interesting casts. He can shit out fucking, you know, Krampus movies, 
<laughs> does sequels and whatever the fuck he wants to do till the end of time, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, he's doing a fuck site better in a way than what Rodriguez is doing with the same kind of thing, where Rodriguez gets like five to ten mil to make his movies down in Texas. And and I prefer Smith's movies mm-hmm. lately to, to Rodriguez's. Not that I'm down on Rodriguez. I still think that it's cool that he's able to kind of go out there and make what he wants to make. I think filmmakers should get that. Uh, uh, opportunity, but I just prefer the movie Smith is making. Yeah, I can dig that. I like Red State, I like Tusk. I mean, the only movie of his that I really genuinely do not like is um, uh, what was Cop Out. Cop Out. Oh. And, um, but he didn't write that one. And the other one that I think was just sort of him treading water was uh, Zach and Miri because... I really like that one. I like it too, but it's based. I I don't like Seth Rogen. I had Seth Rogen fatigue even before that movie came out, and um, uh, I it, it's also basically just Kevin Smith telling the story of how Clerks got made, only substituting Clerks for porn. Yeah, but Cop Out, I was gonna say, like he's in a couple of his comedy DVDs has really gone out of his way and explained why that movie just went in the toilet. Yeah, well, he made yeah, it, no, he no. made it for his dad. Well, yeah, he, they, but also because if you are Kevin Smith and Warner Brothers comes to you and says, we want you to helm a $60 million buddy action comedy like Lethal Weapon or 48 Hours or whatever, you don't say no. no. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you just go, fuck, that sounds amazing. They, now They godfathered him. They made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Right. And the fact that it happened to be Bruce Willis on one of the days where he genuinely couldn't give a shit, and the fact that Kevin Smith, instead of... What Kevin Smith should have done, it should have taken the cop-out script and fucking rewrote it and actually put some effort in. But what he did do was go on, go on set, uh, use the script as it was, let Tracy Jordan ad-lib, did a bunch of takes with Bruce Willis where, like, Bruce Willis can't fucking ad-lib and nobody gives a shit about Bruce Willis ad-libbing. So that just came out like shit. And then he butted heads with Bruce Willis because of Willis's insane ego. But, like, he should have known that, mm-hmm. having worked on Die Hard 4, going in that Willis is like a fucking scumbag unless he believes in the project. Um, and so, you know, he really should have rewritten it and recast it and made it a Kevin Smith film, but while keeping the buddy cop action thing, you know? Yeah. But I gotta, I gotta, can you dig it? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, in lieu of financing that I can't get off the ground, for my movie Rape Wagon or my movie <laughs> my movie Date Rape Dracula. I'll give you five dollars, Carl. For Date Rape Date Rape Dracula has a fucking actual script now, or, or an outline of a script. You you Indiegogo that I'm Indiegogo, putting. Uh, I'm gonna put some money into that. Uh, Date Rape Dracula is about uh, after hundreds of years of fighting Dracula, Van Helsing finally pays a, a drunken hooker to accuse Dracula of date rape. And the court has set the trial that Dracula cannot attend because it's in the day. <laughs> what does Dracula do? Date rape Dracula coming out soon. But uh, I, can't, I can't get my other. Wasn't that like my idea that I had on the show before? There's a previous show, but he's like a detective, but he's a, a, a Jewish detective, and the guy keeps killing people on Friday nights, and he can't go out. <laughs> can't go out. Because uh, he has to stay home without any electricity. What? 
Didn't I? Wasn't that on this show? It was on some show. I came up with some it ridiculous. Wasn't on I don't under I don't understand the Jewish religion because they're we have no Jews here in Indiana. Is that it? <laughs> they're not allowed out. Yeah, I don't that. think Indiana welcomes Jews after we've become right. the hate mongering state that we are now. No, I'm just saying they're not like allowed. That, Jewish they're not bank? allowed. They're not allowed out after nightfall on a fr- on a Friday night on the We're Sabbath. Fucking vampires! <laughs> and they're not allowed to use uh, electricity or the telephone or uh, anything like that because they're not allowed to work. On Fridays. Uh, on Friday nights, any time after nightfall, all the way from Friday night, I think, through to Sunday morning. This sounds suspicious of being lazy. No, it's or not lazy. Just like they, so, okay, if if I get scheduled to work Saturday, I can literally call my boss and say, I can't work, I'm Jewish? Yeah, that's the whole thing in the Big Lebowski when he's like, I don't roll on Sabbath. That's a Shomer Shabbos. Yeah, that's the whole thing. He's not allowed to because he's he's Jewish. Oh, well, he's God not. Damn. He's a convert, con- converted Jew. Anyway, I forgot that that has derailed me. I don't understand. Sorry, dude. No, I was just. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> the Jewish religion. I don't understand any religion. I was just saying, if you were a detective, but your your killer only killed people on a Friday night, <laughs> sure, you would be able to go out and fucking deal with it. Yeah. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, my new movie, uh, Tupaca Cabra is going to be released. Never. What do you think about Tupac Cabra? I seen this post the other day. Or it's equal Tupac Cabra versus Chewbacca Cabras. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, all right. I'll give you $5 for that one as well. Okay, I'm going to parlay that money and uh, make a 50-foot rape rooster then. Nice. I'm back on on my movie ideas, man. I'll just be driving around. 50-foot rape rooster? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> foot Why is it like like a perverted foghorn leghorn? Just like, a fucking horny ass rooster. <laughs> it's the porn version of Food of the Gods. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> the Food of the Gods, Part Three, Food of the Gods, Fifty Foot Rape Rooster. Nice. But anyway, what do you got, Tim? You got anything? No, that was it. That's it. We're done. Get to the questions. Okay. What do we got, Tim? Uh, okay, uh, t-shirt. I'm going to cast Brian Dennehy <laughs> as fifty foot rape rooster as the as, as, as the Donald pitch. Trump <laughs> with a quarter on his head. No, he's he's got to be in fifty foot rape rooster. He's I, like the the drunken hillbilly. You know, he's got bibs on and and he's oh, dude, that's Joe Don Baker. Fork. Yes, even better. That's well, is there really a difference between Joe Don Baker and Brian Dennehy, honestly? Yeah. Yes. Well, if you're going to have a hitman that has to take down 50-foot rape rooster, I want Vinny Jones. Yes. <laughs> he seems to do all those movies. Vinny Jones is my boy. I love Vinny Jones. He's the budget Statham. Yes. I just figured out today, because I was watching Game of Thrones, Charles Dance is just the budget Donald Pleasance. No, 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 no. Uh, mm-hmm. Charles Dance is the budget Christopher Lee. No, yes. Charles, because like Donald Pleasance and Charles Dance are like really, really, really good actors that will do really cheesy fucking movies. So Except that Donald Pleasance is Donald Pleasance played like cops and doctors and you and know he's dead. and members of like um no, like middle dead. managers and members yeah. of um yeah you know politics and stuff. He 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 never played he's a, uh, the president. Our, well, he is the president, but he's like a short, fat, dumpy. You know, he's like a. What I mean is, he never played aristocracy. He never played 
high class, whereas Charles Dance is known Rain is known for playing like posh posh upstanding authority figures. So (laughs) And look, Christopher Lee showed up in his fair share of howlers, so Oh yeah. In fact howling uh, Howling two actually. Howling two, right. Um so I always get those two mixed up. Um so I say he's the budget Christopher Lee. Seriously. Well, I just like, okay, we got British actors who are really good. I have no, no problem showing in a, up in like a B, B movie cheese fest. Right. So they're of that's the same cloth. Yeah. That's most of them. You look in any British actor, like especially in the seventies, early eighties, they will show up for chump change <laughs> anywhere. You know what I mean? A, yeah. a pack of custard creams and half a cup of tea and they're, they're yours for the weekend. <laughs> Makes sense. So let's read the questions, Tim. Okay, T-shirt Joe wants to know, uh, will we be getting drunk with Big Bird? And I'm guessing he's asking this question because at Horror Realm, since they are going horror and pop culture for this next convention at the end of July, uh, the guy who played Big Bird for many years is going to be there. So if he wants to, sure. I drink a beer with Big Bird. I was a big Sesame Street fan as a kid. Yeah, that's why I said why not. I'd, uh, I'd drink, a, uh, drink a beer with Oscar the Grouch. Because <laughs> then we could complain about cell phones and people on my lawn. We need a buddy cop movie with, with Clint Eastwood and Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> How much Grouch, you guys. Yeah, called just old grizzled fucks. Yes. Tristan Gnarly Martin, uh, he has, I'm not sure of a question or whatnot, but... Uh, Ginger Clown reminded me of Spookies. I haven't really got Ooh. any questions for you this week. Have either of you seen Eli Ross Clown or It Follows? I do have a copy of Clown, and I'm sure we'll talk about It Follows right after this now. Uh, I watched that Dracula flick you're reviewing. What a turd. I'd rather bathe in, I'd rather sunbathe with Hershey squirt undies draped over my face while some smelly elderly robust woman finger blasted my bum bum wearing a replica of Freddy Glove. Dan, watch that ever again. <laughs> Brian Dennehy's in that orgy somewhere. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I have a copy of Clown, which since uh, we're going to take a little time off, I have a bunch of movies I'm going to be blasting through before Wasteland. Mm-hmm. Clown is one of them. It follows. Uh, either of you go see it. No, I've no. heard... Very mixed reviews on this movie. I just keep seeing the trailer and I I'm seeing it this week. I'm seeing this week. It's got the stink of just the hype machine is out of control on this. I would like to see it. it Matter of fact, it, while I was at the casino the other night, Josh texted me and I figured that's what he wanted to do. And it does. It does claim it's an independent movie from Michigan. People are making a big deal that it's an independent movie. And I, Kyle and I, John, Kyle and I said this last week. We watched the trailer and I said, it's not that I dislike it, but it's, to me at least, the trailer's not telling me I want to go see this movie. It's not, it didn't I haven't seen or heard anything about it at all. My friend James was like, do you want to go see it this week? And I'm like, sure. But yeah, I do agree with Kyle. I think the hype machine is out of control for the movie because I think right now, even though I've seen mixed reviews, people are really going out of their way to blast this movie because they've all gone to see it. 
is basically what happens. The right, only who- thing I heard about this movie is Rick saw it and he said it should have been called It Farted. <laughs> Here's my thing. Either way, whether you like it or not, I would like it, to see it. Apparently, it has done the uh, the overhyping machine has done what it needed to do for the movie itself because for as many people who went out and see it, I have a feeling it made a good bit of money. I'm, I was shocked that it's playing in the theater around me. Yeah, it was playing. It was playing at the Hollywood Theater, and they were. Hollywood was really pimping it out there. I was laughing at some of the posts that people were saying, well, if you, if you support indie, you'll be here. And I was just like, honestly, no. <laughs> it's just like, I watched the trailer for me and I was just going to say, that was my point. I watched the trailer and I feel like I'm supposed to like the trailer. I feel like I'm supposed to go watch the movie. Very vague trailer. I don't know what it's about. Yeah. It just, for me, it reminded me of a lot of the 90s horror movies. Like, I was kind of like, I'm not sure I want to see that. But isn't it just the next? I mean, they did the same shit with the Babadook, and that, that also got mixed reviews. Isn't it just the same kind of shit? It yeah, probably. I, I was wondering that, but see, when I watched the Babadook trailer, I, it, it had, it, it like, had me at Australia. Yeah, well, besides that. But it interests me. It's something clicked in my brain saying, I really want to see the Babadook. Where it follows, and again, I'm not bashing it. I don't know one way or another. But there isn't anything in it follows that makes me want to say, hey, I really want to see this movie. Yeah. It, it just, and that's why again, I was, I told a couple of people, no, I have no interest to see this. I'll wait for the DVD. More than likely, I even posted videos today. I was like, Mad Max, more this the more I see I was of just, the trailers be my and question. teasers and everything that will be the next movie I see in theaters that I will make a point to go see because I'm just keep getting more excited about that movie mm-hmm. but it follows I hope it did well yeah I, I don't want to see it do bad I, w- I would love yeah, to see horror movie make some money I've really seen a lot of mixed I've seen a lot of mixed reviews on it, but Eli Roth's clown, I heard he was just a producer on it. Yeah, he did nothing on it. Yeah. He's just a producer. Yeah, but was, I've heard... It was one I've, of those things, some guy made like a, a fake trailer on YouTube, and Eli Roth saw it and said, here, here's some money, go make this for real. And, as far as I, I'm concerned, best horror movie I've seen this year. Yeah, I was going to say, you're not the only one that has said that. I've heard a few people this past week, again... That were telling me, hey, you need, if you got a copy of Clown, you need to watch yeah, it. Yeah, funny, gross, uh, scary, and Peter Stormare's in there, so it's fucking awesome. Yeah, get on that shit, Tristan Marley Martin. It's, as of right now, it's my movie of the year. And that will, that will lead into my question. Uh, it, it might get dethroned by Fury Road, but, okay, in, in terms of feet, how big is your boner for this fucking movie? What, for Fury Road? For Mad Max. Because I'm sporting like a good three inches of wood for this fucking movie. I'll go with two. I've got <laughs> it, just a it's... raging fucking boner for this. See, the thing oh, yeah. is, is that I recently rewatched the first three. Mm-hmm. You're in the wrong while... place to talk bad stuff about Thunderdome, sir. I'm not going to say anything <laughs> bad about Thunderdome. Thunderdome fact, was... sucks out loud. Shut him <laughs> Out of the three of them, it was actually one of the ones I enjoyed. But 
while I see that why Mad Max is why what Mad Max is and why it has the reputation it has, uh, I didn't particularly... I'd seen them before. Of course, I'd seen them before. But I put them all in and watched them again back to back, all three of them. And I was like, I don't really see why Mad Max has the reputation it has because I didn't really like them in as much as I thought I was going to like them revisiting them, if that makes any sense. Like, I understand why people like them, but I just didn't like them. So Mm. when I saw the trailers for this new one, my reaction was, I'm not expecting anything from the script. I'm not expecting anything from the performances. I'm not expecting anything from the story because I don't think George Miller can do fucking any good there whatsoever. But the visuals look fucking incredible. Mm -hmm. It looks Mm -hmm. fucking insane. It looks crazy. It looks weird. It looks inventive. It looks creative. And I'm all down for all of those things. I, just I was going to say, even if you don't like it, you've got to hand it to them. The effects. They made one hell of a fucking trailer if this movie sucks. Jesus. Yeah, the right. effects look amazing. I just got to see what that guitar player flamethrower dude's about. Yeah, they look like Holy they've done shit. some of the best effects in a long time. But uh real quick, It Follows has made over $4 million this weekend. I was going to guess like 31 It's up to 5 million altogether. No, oh, that's way lowballed me. I was going to guess 31. Huh. Maybe it didn't do as good as I thought cuz I don't know. I would like to see it though. That sounds like a that sounds like an Easter Sunday movie. I don't give a shit about Easter. I might go see it follow. Well, ne- Easter Sunday will never be the same since I've watched Rambo twice on Easter Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know, does Clint Howard show up in It Follows? And is it just a movie about him, like, creeping out after (laughs) days? We've just made it better. Yeah. Clint Howard just kind of scurries out from under a Volkswagen Beetle. (laughs) Hello. Like that. And then they just, for the next hour and a half, he just chases them down the highway. Can he still have hair from the Wraith? Yeah, of course. On a scooter. Can he have, have, like, the the weird bell bottom? Okay, here we go. Clint Howard wearing the weird, weird L, like, bell bottoms and skates from Evil Speak and the hair from the Wraith. Nice. That's the Clint Howard we're dealing with. And it's just called It Follows. <laughs> and Clint Howard plays the It. <laughs> yeah. okay. And they're like, every, the only lines in the movie is occasionally the two girls in the car go, is it still following us? They look behind it and you just see Clint Howard going, <laughs> on his scooter. And then they just go, Yes. And then it cuts, and then that's it. That's it for 80 minutes. <laughs> We've made okay. this better. Next question, Tristan Gnarly Martin wants to know, is it true that Owen Hart and Chris Benoit will be showing up at this year's WrestleMania as a surprise? It was just one big work by WWE like the Montreal Screwjob was. The Vinny, that Vinny Mac's such a mastermind. I have no clue. I'm pretty sure no. Well, according to pictures on Facebook as we speak, The Rock showed up. Oh, he's probably pimping Fast 7. He's in there, yeah. right? Oh, 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 Kyle. Yes. Uh, this past week on Tosh.0, they did do a wrestling thing uh, for, uh, what was it, a redemption? Yeah. And this dude, Tosh, buys 
he has a cornfield and plow, buys a cornfield, plows two acres of it to build a wrestling ring so they will come. And it's the ghosts of all the wrestlers, <laughs> of all the dead guys. <laughs> Chris Benoit comes in. <laughs> he started cracking jokes about family killing and I just losing it, but. That's fucking terrible. It gets funnier though. Andre the Giant comes out yes. and is beating everybody up, and no other than Blue Blazer falls from the sky and kills him. And that's the end of the match. Oh, I gotta see this. That's so bad. It's so wrong, but I was laughing my ass off. I have to see this. It was this past week's Tosh.0. Uh, but anyhow, Mike Hoshalder. Wants to know, first off, please let everyone know what you think about the film Wrestling is Real. I have not seen this film. I haven't either. I did not know this is a film. I did not either, but I will now. Yeah. I didn't know that wrestling was real. Oh, it's 100% real. <laughs> yeah. 100% less fake than the NFL. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hoshelder also asks, He's like, next question, favorite alligator or croc on the loose film? Hmm. I already know mine. I really like Primeval. I have to go with alligator because it has Robert Forster in it. I agree with John Cross. That, that is my next one, yeah. That is possibly my favorite out of the bunch because it's just badass and it's awesome. And let's not forget Henry Silva is in it. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, good movie, Robert Forrester. Alligator, what about Alligator 2, The Mutation? It's great, don't get me wrong, because we got Kane Hodder and Richard Lynch in it. Uh Uh-huh. But I'm sorry, Robert Forrester, just, the first one is, it's just great. Two. 70s-tastic. Yeah, two is just cheese, but it's really fun cheese, but it. I'm sorry, the first Alligator movie is the best one. I've always heard about that one, uh, Blackwater or something like that out of yes. Australia where they're yes. stuck up in a tree and they're stuck. Yeah. Cause air. they got a, tr- they're, it's like a swamp crick kind of thing. They yeah. got to try to make it through there and the alligator or crocodile, whatever it is in Australia basically follows them the whole time. Any de- is it any good? It's decent. Yeah. If you're into more of a thriller flick, yeah, it's pretty decent. Cool. I need to, I, that's been one on my two watch list forever. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, killer alligator crocodile films that are not, like, sci-fi channel movies that are worth checking out. <laughs> I was going to say, what about I've, Mega Croc I've, versus Super Gator or whatever? I've Love got it. the one that's just called Croc. Yes. I, I worry s- if that's Croc of shit. <laughs> yeah, I believe Probably. Croc is a sci-fi channel film. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah I've it, got it, to see that Roar movie. I've also got Blood Monkey, which I really want to see. Blood Monkey? Another sci-fi channel movie. Yeah, they're all sci-fi. I bought six sci-fi channel movies on like a cheap box set. Oh, cool. And it had Blood Monkey and it had Croc on it. Was Flying Monkeys on there? No. Just Blood Monkeys. Flying Monkeys was cool. Flying Monkeys was cool. But my my favorite animal attack movie of all time is Razorback. Good movie. Yeah, it is. I I think it's better than Jaws. It's one of the most... (laughs) Like, beautifully shot fucking movies I've ever seen. I fucking love Razorback. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question, uh, Steve Benningfield. And Kyle, you already answered this. He said, what are your thoughts on the new day? 
I don't know what this is, dude. I've never even heard of this, but I know Steve's another one of those people that follows a lot of these oddball flicks out there. Well, see, I, I looked it up thinking it, maybe it was like a trailer or something, and that was a pretty broad, you know, it shot yeah. a lot of things at me that didn't look familiar. So Did you check IMDb or anything? No, I didn't. I just threw it in on YouTube. I don't know what the day is. Yeah. The day or whatever. I have no idea. T-Shirt Joe wants to know, should Dario Argento make the next Batman movie? Yes. Only if Rutger Hauer gets to play the Joker. That would be great. And uh, I'm sure Argento gets to play Harley Quinn topless. Oh, well, that's <laughs> a given, yeah. Yeah. And uh, who do we cast as Batman in Dario Argento's Batman? Uh, well, he'll never work with Adrian Brody again. Um, um, <laughs> I don't think he could get that nose under a cow. No. <laughs> um, it would be the first. Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones. No. Um, I could go for a Statham Batman. Um, but he's not really Argento type material. No. Willem, Willem Dafoe is Batman in Dario Argento's <laughs> Batman. No, we got him. Willem Dafoe is like a Joker. No, but that's what's so weird about it is that Dario Argento cast this like total freakazoid to be his hero. Well, I was going to say, if Defoe's going to play anybody, I kind of want to see him maybe play the Riddler. No, I have John Malkovich as the Riddler. <laughs> that also works. Oh, here we go. Nick Cage. Okay, Nick Cage. yes. There we go. Dario Argento's Batman, Nick Cage, Rutger Hauer, Malkovich, and uh, uh, Willem Defoe. And just to make me happy, throw Peter Stormare in there somewhere. Oh, of course. Tommy so, Wiseau as Batman. Yeah, Still, I don't know what Steve's talking about, New Day. I'm on uh, IMDb. I'm looking it up. I'm not seeing it. I don't know. have no clue. Yeah. Stormare plays Alfred. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've instantly made a great Batman. Yeah. What else we got, Tim? Okay, hold on a second. I was trying to get Still out of that. Stormare's even good in The Last Stand. With uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I just watched that the other day, and it's still... Fucking love that movie. T-Shirt Joe wants to know, is there a song you hate so much you want to punch the radio whenever it comes on? Pussy Control! By Prince! <laughs> Fuck that song! Every fucking dipshit redneck goddamn bar will play that fucking song in Indiana. Fuck that song. <laughs> fucking Prince. Yeah. For me, it's anything by... Uh, it's it, it, it's anything that is pop. So it's 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 anything for the last ten. It's anything by Timberlake or Gomez or Cyrus or any of these fucking AIDS germs skulking about in the halls of the record companies, shitting out turds every five minutes. So you're saying it's all about the bass is not a part oh, of Oh, for right? fuck's sake, I would like to find whoever wrote that song. And anything like people who come up and go, what does the fox say? The fox says, if you don't get out of my fucking way now, I'm going to embed something heavy, sharp, and hot into your face. You fucking assholes. You just... Anything like that. Who let the dogs out? All that stuff. Stop with the catchphrases already. You Fuck just off. gave my inner monologue at the casino last night, a voice. Uh, Walking uh, down the goddamn thing, I can't, like, the one thing I can't stand, and I'm going to think of you saying what you just said every time it happens. Walking down anywhere, 
and the person in front of you will just stop. I want to walk right the fuck up their goddamn back. Yeah. <laughs> just gave my inner monologue a voice. Thank you, John Cross. I should legally be allowed at that point to pull out a javelin from my backpack and embed it into the spinal column of the person who's just fucking stopped randomly in a walking thoroughfare. Yes. People who pull out their fucking cell phones on bloody sidewalks. Just get out of my fucking way. Go to a shop window, a doorway, or an alleyway, or a corner, or fucking just get out of my face. That's what was nice about phone booths, is people got out of your fucking way. They went into a box by themselves, privately, and made a call. None of this just talking out loud on a fucking street, or in a subway car, or fucking... Oh. Again, grumpy cast, welcome. Oh, Jesus, I just want to... I just want to... Oh, I want Cat. I want Thor's hammer to be real, and I want to be able to obliterate them. Only John Cross can wield it. Okay, yeah. now I got. I but any Joe. song like that, Tim? Any song like that? I will also throw in there country music. Okay, let me. Let no, me, no, because there is some me, good country music. Well, hold on. Let me let me explain this here. Country music is dead. All you have now is pop music, pretending to be country music. Right. Country music is you like to be a country music star you have to be an ugly son of a bitch right i.e johnny cash willie nelson all those dudes that's country music not this fucking shit i hear out of car windows you have to be someone that just doing up your tunic makes you sweat yeah yeah (laughs) kenny rogers it sounds like kyle's not up for t swift I don't know who that is. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> all we get around here, all you ever hear the around here. About Taylor Swift. I don't know who that is. I didn't know she had a nice hipster name. I know Taylor Swift. That's exactly the country music I'm talking about. So if you Kyle, think that country music, you're reaction. wrong. That's the perfect reaction. What do you think of T-Swift? I can know who he is. I don't know. But all you hear around Portland is that false-ass country music, or even worse than that, some stupid white kid with, like, giant speakers in his car listening to something that resembles music, but he doesn't know how to turn the bass down. So all you hear is... <laughs> so it, so it's Pittsburgh, nineteen ninety one out there now. It is, yes, it totally is. <laughs> yeah. It totally is because I have just a factory set of speakers, but it doesn't matter. I always have Slayer in at all times. Yeah, and that's if I pull up beside a dude that's like that Slayer in their head right now, just I will fucking turn that shit right the fuck up. You get you- Slayer at thirty instantly. Kyle, if I was the governor of Indiana, and let's all just agree right now, I should be the governor of Indiana. Yeah. If if you pull up next to a dude doing that, you are legally allowed. In fact, it is your – it's not only your right, but it's it your is obligation. Your, duty, your obligation to pour gasoline through their sunroof and set those fuckers on fire. <laughs> and, and then we have special teams of dwarfs in trucks – whose job is to go around and look for flaming cars and push them into a ravine. And when they fill up the ravine, we go down there and we film an Italian Mad Max ripoff from 1978. I love you, John Cross. <laughs> <laughs> Please come to Indiana and be our governor. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I do. Sensible policies for a sensible yes. Indiana. This is not music, everybody. 
just a fucking moron. That's what yeah. you are if you've got that going on. We we definitely need to do old grumpy podcasts. I think we do it's every old. week. Okay. Well, here's four questions from T-shirt Joe <laughs> to bring you back to Earth. Okay. Uh, T-shirt Joe wants to know who wins in a fight, Harry Potter or the wizard kid from Dungeons and Dragons cartoon? The wizard kid from Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, clearly. Yeah. He wants to know, is it time for a Harry Potter reboot? No. <laughs> um, am I Hollywood? Because I say, yeah. Cause I it's time money. for Harry Potter to die a slow, painful death and for Rowling to be skinned alive and her remains shot into space. Uh, what do you think about the Harry Potter films? I think I just summed it up quite easily that I think J.K. Rowling needs to be shaved and skinned and shot into space. And for the last question, here's I never I saw think, it. Hold on. Here's what I think of the fucking Harry Potter movies. <laughs> Get off my lawn, yes. you little fucks. Uh, T-shirt Joe wants to know, I never saw the last two Harry Potter flicks. Does Harry ever bang that E-Harmony chick? E-Harmony? <laughs> I'm willing to bet that there are Harry Potter porno crossovers. Yeah, there are. There's, there's Harry Potter, Harry Potter porno, but there's also a shit ton of slash fiction where, oh, like, yeah. Harry Potter, Hermione, and uh, uh, Ron Weasley all like bang each other repeatedly <laughs> and give birth to three-headed ginger twatty children who you just want to fucking kill with a pickaxe. Mm-hmm. That is it on the questions, guys. That's all we got? Did you That's get any questions got. from your dudes, John? I don't think so. Uh, I certainly didn't get any on, on... Let me see if I got any on... Uh, just Philip asking Dracula 3D, and you said yes. So, oh. no. Okay. So, uh, John, let's talk about Death Baby. <laughs> Scream. Run. Hide. It is the time of absolute terror. You will have a baby, a monster, an evil monster conceived in your womb, as big as I am small and possessed by the devil himself. The devil within her. She believes her child is possessed. Yours is the professional practices exorcism. Not since Rosemary's baby, conceived by the devil. The devil within her. Rated R. Um, yes, I will do it. I was just trying to think. I read something hilarious today, and I was just trying to think. Oh, yeah. Uh, on, the, on the subject of, uh, like, there was that whole controversy with, like, Michelle Rodriguez said about black superheroes and white superheroes, and then there was, like, there's been lots of talk recently because Roger Moore said this thing about Idris Elba. He can't be James Bond because he's not English, English, and everyone took that to be racist, and it is. And anyway, <laughs> there's a whole thing. Can we just, hold on, can we give Roger Moore a pass because he's a bit old and he is Yeah, he's, he's old and racist. Bond. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. Uh, and he was in Live and Let Die, the blackest of all the Bonds, so mm-hmm. it's all good. Uh, but uh, underneath the comment on one of these multiple, like, uh, posts I was seeing about this, I saw the most fucking hysterical thing ever, which was uh, some guy had written, what's next, a white remake of The Wiz? 
And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> the Wiz is a black remake of Wizard of Oz. Um, but anyway, I like so the Wiz. It's, it's I love the Wiz. Fucking... I'm not having to go at the Wiz. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying you can't go, what's next, a white remake of the Wiz. I'm like, I hate to break it to you, buddy. <laughs> anyway, that was just a joke I saw today, which I thought was hilarious. So, fuck? yes, uh, we are talking about uh, dwarf-possessed uh, murder baby. And it's from 1975. Um, it stars uh, Joan Collins, Eileen Atkins, Ralph Bates, and Donald Pleasance, and Caroline Munro. Uh, and it has da, 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 the wonderful John Steiner as Tommy Morris and George Clayton as Hercules, the evil midget. And I'm not lying when I say that this movie is basically predicated on the fact that one night at a strip club, Joan Collins is in the dressing room getting ready and uh, the dwarf that this strip club employs to dance with the strippers, which I'm sorry, first of all, have we ever heard of that happening before in another strip club? Is, was this like something that was regular? It was like strippers and a freak. Like, was that is that what was on the menu in England back in the 70s? I don't know. But uh, I'm not saying all dwarfs are freaks, but this one clearly is a freak. He's got like a lump in the middle of his back and he's dressed as a jester. It's fucking weird. And uh, <laughs> he comes into her dressing room and starts filling up her titties. Uh She's like, I didn't know what to do because he was touching me and I led him on, but I didn't know what to do. Anyway, then uh, uh, Tommy Morris, Cockney Tommy Morris comes in and he uh, shags Joan Collins on the sofa because they've been having a thing behind closed doors with each other and the midget after she has been defiled by the owner of the strip club tommy morris the midget goes you will have a baby and that baby will have the devil's soul and everything will hate you and blah 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 blah. because apparently dwarfs have the ability to curse you yes uh so then uh she has the baby uh the doctor of the the birth is donald pleasance and he claims uh that the uh this baby didn't want to be born and then um she has an italian husband and there's a really weird line in the movie where it's like uh wow of course italian men make the best husbands which is i don't know where they get that idea from because my image of italian men is that they're fucking everything in a skirt on a moped right sure yeah so I don't know where this whole, like, they would make good husbands thing come from. Um, I mean, maybe mafia guys. but like, even Donald says, Pleasant says it, it is law. Oh, he didn't say it. No, no, no. Uh, the, the, the Caroline Monroe. Oh, and, what? Uh, Caroline Monroe, Donald Pleasance. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> one is an incredibly foxy female. Fuck yeah. And the other one is yeah. one of the greatest actors of his generation. One's if an not any generation. hot chick and the other is Donald Pleasance, yeah. Donald Pleasance, yeah. Uh, so this goes on and on and on. And basically we have repeated scenes of people going, oh, she's just hysterical. It's just postnatal depression. Don't worry about it. Because the baby starts biting, scratching, literally throwing all its shit out of its pram uh, and, and generally being a nightmare baby. It pushes its nanny in the river um, and uh, kills it. It's uh, It keeps turning back into the dwarf whenever Joan Collins is alone with it, which is kind of creepy and weird. Um, and it ends up killing a bunch of people and causing a bunch of havoc. And uh, we just have repeated scenes of people going, oh, don't worry, don't be hysterical. We've sedated him. We're going to get him in the hospital. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. They never do any of that. They just leave the baby alone up in its cot. And when they go up there, it eats people or pushes people out a window or kills people or destroys all its toys or whatever it does. 
It keeps doing that, keeps doing that until it's killed absolutely everyone except this nun. And then the nun is able to do magic and, and save everything. And she could have done it at the beginning of the movie and she didn't and fuck her. So, uh, it's a fantastic mid seventies British, uh, horror movie. Um, I wrote on Facebook earlier today, uh, all the movies that came out around it <clears throat> that are similarly themed. Um, and obviously you've got obvious ones like The Exorcist and The Omen and Rosemary's Baby and It's Alive and Beyond the Door, which I know you've covered before. But you've also got like The Brotherhood of Satan and To, De- and to the Devil a Daughter, Beyond the Door 2 and stuff like that, all within sort of eight years of each other. So uh, as I said online, it's, it's the people in the 70s were clearly very afraid of what the sexual revolution would produce. Because one of the movies that I was talking about earlier, the um, uh, All the Colors of the Night, Basically, the devil worshippers are what a conservative thinks hippies were. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like a bunch of guys hanging out in a stately home somewhere in the countryside of England, you know, fucking and killing and taking drugs and generally doing other stuff. And all these movies to do with sort of possessed uh, babies and possessed and, and sort of the fear of childbirth and all that sort of stuff is all based on the fact that the end of the 60s were very promiscuous. And uh, society thought that, that people would be giving birth to, to, to demon, evil, lax, moral babies who would be running amok, raping people and setting fire to people. Um, and uh, it's I, I really enjoyed The Devil Inside. I thought it was a good movie. Um, I thought it was uh, plenty like B-grade and plenty British and plenty hokey and a little bit repetitive. But uh, it's got a fun 70s vibe to it. Donald Pleasant's bumps in and out of... The occasional scene, considering he's just a guest star, he's in most of the movie, which is good fun. Um, the the nun played by Eileen Atkins is pretty good, and uh, just in general, I enjoyed it. What what do you think, Carl? Um, you all you picked the goddamn gem. You you reached in the <laughs> you you uh you took your 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 clean hand and you reached into the shit pile that was Netflix and you pulled out a gem. It almost hit the sweet spot movie for me, but yeah. it didn't. Uh, I loved it. I, I never laughed. Like, instantly over the credits, there is uh, what I can only refer to as a Wayne's World Extreme Zoom. Yeah, onto the light fitting <laughs> yeah, above light. And I was like, all right, this is one of those groovy 70s fucking movies. And it kind of is. I love, I love the satanic panic movies of the 70s. And yeah. Even through the 80s. I'm not so much a fan of the killer baby movies. Like, It's Alive is okay. I mean, I don't hate them. They're okay. Right. I uh, didn't know about this one. And like you said, Carolyn Monroe's in this, like, foxy as shit. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, I looked up Donald Pleasance on Netflix, and then I was looking along the thing, and I was like, ooh, that has an interesting poster. And when I hovered my uh, cursor over it and the, uh, the description came up, and it said that an evil dwarf in a strip club <laughs> causes Joan Collins to have a devil baby. I was like, <laughs> why am I not watching that movie right now? And how is that not the perfect Blood, Bars and Boomsticks movie? It is. It's like, it's almost as if you, me, Tim and Ed came up with that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I love the fact that just a scorned midget can sling a curse. Yeah, right. I didn't just know that was ass. a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I curse you, your baby's going to be as big as I am small, and it's going to be the devil. And 
Uh, yeah. Joan Collins clearly slumming it. Um, well, no, Joan Collins was always in shit like this. Well, she was in not this level of shit. The bitch and the slut or whatever she was in. She yeah. was in a bunch of things like that. There were. But she is creepy looking as all hell. Right. I don't think her like her eyes are way. She's almost like a goldfish person. Right, like, right, right. Like her eyes are way too far apart, and it is just creepy as all get out. But it worked. Um, I liked it. It was in London, and that they didn't like Fulci this movie, where you know it's in London, making it look like New York because I thought they right. were going to do that or for a minute. Or it's filmed in Rome, yeah. but it's set in London. Yeah, yeah, the only thing I would have to say, though, is that the Italian accents <coughs> fly all over the shop. Mm. I mean, at one point, Eileen Atkins is the nun, who's very clever. I mean, with a name like Eileen Atkins, she's clearly an English actress. And she's a very honored English actress. She's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, but uh, uh, she veers from German to French to Italian to Swiss to Cockney. Like... She's just doing every fucking accent her brain can, like, hang on to at that moment. I mean, at one point, she's talking to Donald Pleasance, and she's like, the baby is most clearly evil. And I'm like, that's German. Like, what are you doing? See, I never noticed that stuff in movies. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it's different. I know that Americans hear accents differently, so you guys don't always pick up on them. uh, However, I never pick up on soundtracks, unless it's something like Goblin. But this sure. one I did, because this is a funky fucking goddamn 70s groovy soundtrack. Yeah. And the midget has its own theme, with like, <laughs> where it's got like a fucking mouth harp going on. It's like... Yeah. I wish the theme was... <laughs> but it wasn't. Uh, the no. midget was great. I, I generally laughed. Like, this is not a... I did not take this movie serious. No. Um... When that midget's having the heart attack on the stage, he's just, no one cares. He's just dancing around. Everybody's dancing around. And, oh, don't I worry like, about it. I the like dwarf that is they dying. kept dancing. They yeah. kept dancing with him. That's and, what I liked about it. Like, this had that weird kind of, you know, quote unquote club, like the old Ray Dennis Steckler movies used to have where you'd come in and, and it was all gold and gross looking and chick oh, danced and, yeah, like maybe like Dolomite was gonna get up there and beat somebody down <laughs> a little bit. But the funny thing about the club was is that whenever we saw any of the people dancing uh, or about to dance, they were all fairly fully clothed or yeah. or dressed more like a sort of burlesque club where they would be in a basque or a, a fancy dress or something like that. And in fact, uh, Joan Collins doesn't take her clothes off in the no. in a flashback sequence where she's a dancer. And she what does. What the fuck kind of interpretive gypsy hunchback? Crazy nonsense was going on, right? And then, and her, uh, her act's that popular that she's taking it overseas. What the fuck? Right, exactly to Italy. But the thing that was uh, uh, hilarious was that while we got the, you know, she thinks it might be the sleazy pencil thin mustache club owner guy's baby, and she goes back to the club. He is auditioning girls, and they literally just come in, get full frontal nude. And just go away again. You know what I mean? Like that's the, the, all of a sudden this club is like when it's not a named actress, all of a sudden it's yeah. like full frontal nudity. Well, that which one is crazy kid gets because, completely naked and he's just like doesn't care to the point. Yeah, where he, he just goes done. Next, am I boring you, this naked woman? No. 
So I'm interested and, in Joan Collins now. Shut and up, then man. later on in the movie, Joan Collins does get naked during an interminably long sex scene. I mean, that sex scene went on forever. Mm-hmm. And it had like this weird organ soundtrack over the top of it. It was all like trying to be funky. But like the problem 70s movies have with sex scenes is normally in a regular movie, you reserve the funk, the 70s sexual funk for the sex scene. But when your soundtrack is already sexual fuck, like, what do you do for the sex scene? So it goes all kind of like as if they're skipping through a meadow. It goes all like, la, 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 yep. la. Like, goes all like fucking, like, dreamlike and weird. I love this fucking movie. on and on. God damn it. You almost trumped Rage of Honor. Not quite, oh, but this was quite, no. real close. I loved it. Uh, midgets slinging curses and Ed Quillen. <laughs> Ed Quillen, I almost thought directed this movie like maybe yeah. he fucking jumped in a time portal went back to the 70s and directed this movie it reminded me of the sinful dwarf have you ever seen that yeah yeah yeah, yeah oh yeah. my god <laughs> the sinful dwarf is insane Tim, have you i liked that? how the dwarf kept appearing in the bed where the baby dressed was dressed up as the baby yeah the little onesie the little yellow onesie yeah i, I, I just long for a time where this shit got made Right. And you just can't do it anymore. And the fact that the baby was somehow strong enough to, like, strangle and kill the father and bury him in the sewer and nobody found the body. Oh, well, I wanted to see, like, the deleted scene of the baby flying the, flying around the room, ripping the wallpaper and his, his little hanging toys down from the ceiling. I'm like, that had to happen. Right. <laughs> I want to see that. Damn it. It didn't. That would have made it a, It needed a better ending. I think its ending really let it down because it was just like, oh, we'll pull out the exorcism at the last fucking minute and it'll work. End. It's like I was hoping I was hoping beyond hope that Donald Pleasance was going to perform an exorcism on that baby. Yeah, except that that doesn't uh, happen. Well, we do get Donald Pleasance pulling a baby out with a set of salad tongs. We do, going, this baby doesn't want to be born. Yeah, this baby, it didn't. But I'm glad it did. I'm giving this movie 250 stars. It's fucking great. I'm giving it, I'm giving it 708.4 dying dancing dwarfs. <laughs> dwarf was great. It's not the dwarf I thought it was from Willow. But no, it's this a dwarf was an Oompa Loompa, so. But he was, he was lumpy. He was like big and lumpy and flabby and funny shaped. Yeah, he had, the, he had the little sausage fingers. Yeah. And oh, his fingers on her boobs at yeah. the beginning. God, that creeped me out. Yeah. So Ed Quillen, take note. Uh, this is your favorite movie of all time. It is. It is literally. This movie was made for Ed Quillen. Yes. That's exactly what this movie was. And I found it. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a deeper plot here. Ed made this movie just for John Cross to find. I, I would, listen, Let's I would not, this thing. I would believe quite happily that Ed Quillen, 10 years from now, invents time travel <laughs> and goes back in the past. No, he knows how to time travel now. <laughs> just to make this movie, and he sat around on set going, who do we cast as a guest star role? Who do we cast? I know Carl uh, uh, and John would never forgive me if I didn't cast Donald Pleasance. And that's what happens. I, I'm almost certain that Ed Quillen... Why he went back to England to do it? That that can only be a tribute to me, I guess. Uh, they have better mashed potatoes. Better mashed potatoes. Yeah. They do. The best mashed potatoes of all time are in and England. And if you know Ed Quillen in mashed potatoes, you know. 
He's all about the mashed potatoes. But Tim, Listen, Ed Quillen has spent till two a.m. <laughs> saying mashed potatoes yep. on my uh, uh, Facebook status update. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tim, you didn't get to see this, but you have to. No, I didn't. This I, needs I, to be I in the to. next Tim Gross book. Yeah, <laughs> I I want to. Somebody photoshopped Tim Gross's face on the cover of this. <laughs> I'm bummed you didn't get to see this, dude. You would have fucking loved it. I didn't realize um, you didn't have Netflix. I'm sorry, Carl. No, I, I, I it's another thing. I'm old. I don't. It's just one of those things. I have so many movies, John, that I don't have it. You know what I mean? I don't okay. have Netflix. Look so. underneath your computer. Perhaps it's there. <laughs> yeah, things do have a tendency of appearing. <laughs> well, we'll see what we can do to. But if you look that. under your computer and you see a big lumpy dwarf, run! Get your run. kids. Get the fuck out. Yeah, he's coming to steal all your dudes. There's probably Ed Quinlan's hiding underneath my computer. Probably. He's coming to give you a curse. So, Tim, what did you watch? I watched Ginger Clan. It was the legend that everyone knew. No one set foot on these grounds since 1928. Fifty people died. No. I'm ready. What started out as a dare. Don't do this, Sam. Maybe you'd like to go in with a little moron. Sam! It's about to become. We gotta get the hell out of here. You walked into my trap. Their worst nightmare. What is this place? Let's get the spy started. Because this amusement park. That thing was not human. Jenny! Is no laughing matter. Here comes your nasty little friend. Time to die. And the only way to escape Let me out this thing. is Jenny. to Who the hell are you? Run. Don't you recognize my voice? Tim Curry, Brad Dourif, and Lance Hendrickson. I'm gonna eat your soul. Ginger Clown. Uh, yeah, watch Ginger Clown. It stars Tim Curry, Lance Henriksen, Brad Dorif, and Michael Winslow. Okay, wait a minute. Michael Winslow's mouth sound effect guy, right? Yes. Police, okay. Yes, he is. Get that guy back um, up. Okay, this movie uh, takes place in 1983, even though it was made only a year, year and a half ago. It takes place in 1983. A bunch of kids, high school kids, are partying at the, behind a Hollywood sign. And mind you, the movie was made in Budapest. I know because it, it threw me when one of the high school, supposedly high school kids, was talking in an accent. Is Budapest the uh, Italy of the East? <laughs> I have no clue. I we're, we'll call it the Italy of the East okay. just because. Um, but it threw me, so I went looking it up, and yeah, they are from Budapest. But anyhow, basically, it's a bunch of high school kids who are called the Wolf Pack, and they're picking up <laughs> on, on a kid called Tully. His real name is Sam, but I guess it's his last name, Tully. And they just just a lonely nerd riding a bike past the guys, 
and basically just trying to show off for their girlfriends. Hey, you could be part of the wolf pack if you go and do something for us. Well, going to do something for them is go into an old amusement park and come back with something in like two and a half hours or something. This old amusement park, they don't get really into a story about the park as much as let the park tell you the story. Basically, you just hear it's like real quick. One of the one of the high school kids are like, yeah, it opened in like 1928 and closed and then it reopened in the 60s and like 50 people died. And that's about it on the history of this old amusement park. And it's been closed since then. Well, the dude that's picking on him big time. His girlfriend, Jenny, follows uh, Sam into the park. And from there, you do get, notice a lot of computer-generated effects, but there is a lot of practical, like, monsters and puppeteers. And we've seen somebody, uh, Tristan, commented saying it's kind of like spookies. I wouldn't go that far. but and Nothing, nothing, nothing anything, like spookies. When they approach the evil tea kettle... <laughs> to me, this movie felt That's more... the best sentence I've ever heard Tim Gross say. <laughs> when they approached... The, what did you call it? The haunted tea kettle? The, what the evil it? tea kettle. The yeah. evil tea kettle, that's it. Yeah. Like the when they approach the evil tea kettle. That's the new title of Tim Gross's book. <laughs> <laughs> when they approach it, uh, it reminded me, and especially from there on out, it reminded me of like a lost... Full Moon movie? Uh, that could be taken in one of two ways. <laughs> um, is it good or bad? Well, it's good. I just felt like this movie had more potential to it. Okay. You know what I mean? All the way through. But we'll get into that. Excuse me. But anyhow, uh, it just seems more of like on the line of a Full Moon movie than anything. Once they talk to the tea kettle, they basically move on, and right, right. They basically talk to the tea kettle. Yeah, the tea kettle starts talking to him. It's like evil bong, and basically <laughs> the evil bong explains to them <laughs> that the park holds expelled demons from hell, and that's what they are. Okay. And huh. yeah, it basically, from there, you get to see a pile of crap, which is like a monster, basically complaining that they haven't changed in 500 years. You get to see an evil clown chasing Sam throughout the hallways of some of the attractions, and eventually tracks him down and captures him. And you even get a giant spider that asks to be killed after losing a weird game to Jenny. Uh, it's just... It's a weird movie. You're speaking my language all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. It's a great concept. Is it as good as I wanted it to be? No. But is it worth watching, checking out, It just because of the weirdness and the cheesiness? And it kind of just – the other thing about this movie is it just kind of ends. Like, it – it doesn't go, like I said, again, doesn't go into history about this amusement park. The movie only runs like 80 minutes long. It just kind of ends, <laughs> which was kind of weird. Much in like a, like a split second type deal or? It, it just, it really like, once they kill off the clown, it's like, okay, that's it. We're done. Okay. It, it's just like, and 
how they kill off the clown is kind of weird to begin with, too. It doesn't really say, like, oh, hell came, got the clown back. No, this was kind of one of those things. Okay, something weird's going to happen. Some all The light show happens at the bottom of the floor, and the clown's gone. And that is your movie. Is like, here's your movie, Ginger Clown. Like I said, I like the concept. I just don't think they fully seen it through because to me, what it looks like is all like all the characters are in it. Tim Curry, of course, plays the clown, but they're all voice their voice uh, overs for these characters. None of them show up in person. And they were all voiceovers, and I wouldn't be surprised the money was spent. Getting those dudes. Getting all the, yeah, getting those dudes together to do the voiceovers and pretty much, hey, we have this cast, which sounds amazing, by the way. Somebody in America picked up the movie. I just thought the movie could have been more, but it comes off more of a full moon movie to me. I like it, but I thought it, I, I just, I think I was expecting more cheesiness out of it and it just seemed like, Every time you thought it was going to go to extra step, it kind of pulled back. But again, the creatures were kind of cool. I liked it enough. I'm glad I watched it. But I just felt like it didn't fulfill its full potential. And that's why I give it two and a half out of four stars. Breaking news. Kamala just joined the podcast and she wants to see this movie. Because, uh, uh, I've got to see this now, man. I'm kind of bummed I didn't see it because, okay, Tim Curry plays Ginger Clown. Lance Hendrickson plays Brain Eater. Michael Winslow plays Stomach Crumble. Brad Dorf plays Worm Creature. And Sean Young plays Nelly the Spider Woman. That You're speaking my weirdo language here, man. This might be a fucking... I'm, I'm checking this out. Computer problems be goddamned. I'm bummed I didn't get to see it. What do you give it? I gave it two and a half out of four stars. Like I said, I thought... It, I liked the concept. I just don't think it... It fulfilled that entire concept. Well, it got th- compared to Spooky, so I'm watching. Uh, yeah, so. I thought they could have done more. But it was like budgetary, maybe. Oh, yeah, I do believe it, especially when I found out it was made in Budapest. It made a lot of sense. Uh, it says right here under the trivia, this is the first uh, Hungarian horror movie in 3D. Yes. So, And Freddy's glove is evidently in this movie. I didn't see it. Somewhere. Well, it's at 2102. Mm. So, goddamn, I'm mad, man. You didn't get to see this either, did you, John? I didn't know, which I'm really sad about. I saw the trailer and I was like, I want to watch that, but I could not find it anywhere online at all. Yeah, it was kind of short notice, John, coming on. But, uh, I guess, I guess it's time to talk about Dario Argento's 3D sync. to his guests. Girls of her age have a tendency to be a bit too forward. The creature is not human. It is a vampire. They sometimes transform their victims. It gives them extreme power. How can you defeat a monster like that? There are ways. You do 
is capable of. He is evil. Do you hear me, Van Helsing? In the name of God, I command you, go back! John's seen it. I saw it today. It just killed me. I've seen it and covered it on the After Movie Diner. Oh, did you? I didn't know that. Yeah, I I need to get on that goddamn alone in the dark. I listened to yeah, your I'm, podcast I'm, about that. Holy shit! How that got by me, I don't know. But I have been waiting to see that and like like I'm sending it to print. you, dude. I'm sending it to you, dude. Oh, I'm cool. sending it to you. I'll 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 uh, send you the 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 link tonight. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Uh Dario Argento's Dracula 3D. Uh, I will first say that I did not hate this movie. I, I didn't dislike this movie. Um, it's just the story of Dracula. It's been told a million times. It's the exact same story, same characters as as Stoker's Dracula, which is a hokey-ass movie. But, man, Dario Art, that's like the one thing I can say about this movie. It's like they gave $50,000 to maybe like a, community college to make this movie because it looks god awful cheap as hell and mm. man it looks i i really i don't know why i'm i don't want to drag this movie through the mud but it, it's not good but it's I have not question. really super bad either what's that what's i have a question? question for you okay why is it that all the other animals that Dracula turns into mm-hmm. are normal animal size. Except for the mantis. But when he turns into the praying mantis, it's a giant praying mantis. I don't how know, do, man. How does that work? I don't know because he, he was, he's rats, he's wolves, he's cockroaches. He's bugs at one point, yeah. like flies or whatever. Uh-huh. And which is the best sequence in the movie when he, when he comes into the tavern and like eats all those people. Oh, that was great. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like mantises. I hate them, and they're very horrifying. I wouldn't want to. I'd rather see a bunch of flies come at me than a giant mantis. And I don't know. I feel like we've seen flies kill people, but not mantises. Sure. I, I, I don't know. I really don't have an answer for that. But mantises scare me. I don't like them. I have a bush full of them in the summer, and I kill them at every opportunity. Nice. But Argento, man, it's, and I hate to quote, I hate to quote Tarantino because he's a giant cokehead and I don't like him. But <laughs> he said a long time ago he's going to quit making movies because, man, it's like, it's like, when you got it, you got it, and when you don't, you don't. You only get so much, like, good stuff time. Like, Carpenter's had his. Romero's still kicking around making movies, but they're not real good. And, Man, Argento's time was probably done, I don't know, early, like, 87, maybe. When did Opera come out? Because that's still a good one. Yeah, well, we like Mother of Tears. Right. That's 2000s. I really liked Mother of Tears. I'm not sure when Opera came out. I'm gonna go I think he's just a hit-and-miss dude. I think he just I does... I don't think he has it anymore, man. Okay. Like, this, this movie was so impersonal to me. 
Like one of Argento's like most impersonal thing. I was bummed out because Rutger Hauer, I was like, yes, okay. I have heard nothing but bad things about this on the internet, but Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer doesn't show up until the minute, until like the hour mark, because I looked and it was like an hour and a minute. Rutger Hauer shows up. But you got big booby, hot ass fucking Italian chicks. Aja Argento's in there looking like Bell's Palsy Vampire. <laughs> I kept her a screenshot of her, man. Tim, she pulls this face that looks like Perry Saturn. She fucking just vamps out and looks like Perry Saturn for a minute. Like, her eye goes all fucking crazy. But, you know, it's the story of Dracula told through Argento. But, man, the computer affects her. I've seen PlayStation 2 games look better. Like, the effect, Dracula turns into a wolf at one point. Whoo! Like, it's bad. So bad. And it all looks like it takes place in the town from Castlevania 2, which I was, I thought was fucking rad. But it's literally just Rome, and... Like I said, I didn't hate it, but I liked the Dracula guy. I named him Suave-Ass Dracula. I saw this in 3D. Really? Yeah. So that fly gag worked then. Oh yeah, the fly gag was awesome. It, as as was the like traveling through the village at the beginning. Yeah, and the train that was yeah. computerated once, but like then they got a real train in the second scene. I didn't understand that. I can't. I actually thought that apart from. It, apart from a few sequences where I was just like, what the... Yeah. Apart from a few sequences, I, I I genuinely liked the movie more than it, I had any right to. I didn't hate it, but I'm, I can't recommend it. I mean, it's got a killer-ass fucking poster. Holy shit, it's got a badass poster. Rutger Hauer is awesome when he's in it. He, yeah. He's fucking slaying, slaying this vampire chick with this rad-ass fucking cross that turns into a sword. He just whips out and fucking kills this chick. Uh, he sticks two sticks together and sets Ozzy Argento on fire, which is huh. badass. But I, I really liked Suave Ass Dracula. Like, I bet, I bet if, if I met that guy in real life, he'd be wearing a tweed suit, smoking a pipe, stinking like brute cologne. He's a suave motherfucker, but there's just a lot. I mean, it's fun in a cheesy way, just not. In a weird way, and I hate to say this, but it was sort of Rutger Hauer that let me down when I watched mm, the movie. Really? Yeah. He was, he didn't until bring a lot of personality of, to Van Helsing. Until the final sequence in the graveyard. Yeah. Then I liked it. But up until then, I just thought he was a little bit bland. Well, he wasn't you, bringing it. I didn't even get a sense of menace from Dracula. Like, he's just... No, he's more the horny, blonde Dracula. Yeah, he's like, he's not the worst Dracula. No. Uh, The worst Dracula would be the guy in Van Helsing. That dude, I want to punch him in the face. Yes. (laughs) Fuck that that guy and fuck that that movie. I want to punch him in the face. I wish this movie needed Donald Pleasance as Van Helsing. Why did that not ever happen? Every movie needs Donald Pleasance. Yeah. What do you think? There's no movie you're watching where I'm like, this couldn't be better with Donald Pleasance. With Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. We need a... I would actually watch Twilight if it had Donald Pleasance in it. I love that man so much. Yeah. I tried to think of the worst movie I could. 
Man, you got to be one hardcore Argento fan to want to watch this. I know I've never seen Jallo, but I've never heard a positive uh, thing come yeah, out of anybody. I was going to say, I never heard, that. at least I've heard somebody say something good about yeah. Dracula, but Jallo, yeah, that one I have I no desire Jallo. to even, even yes, want to watch. But have you watched Jallo? Not yet. But I <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I intend to watch it. I, I, I see it on Netflix and I'm like, mm, I should try it, but I just never get around to it and. I feel like I'm all the best. I, I feel like that's an Argento movie I can skip. Like, I'm not the biggest Argento fan, but I'm in no way, shape, or form. Like, I don't hate the guy. I love opera. I, Inferno's my favorite. Suspiria is awesome, but I don't, like, I've seen it twice, and, you know, I don't put it on a pedestal like other people do. Have you seen uh, Max von Sydow in Sleepless? No, but I did not know he was in that, and I love that dude. I want to see him. I want to see it now. Yeah, he plays like an old detective. Really? In a, a, a sort of, a, it's a Giallo movie. It's a sort of serial killer, stalking women on a train type film, and uh, Max von Sydow plays the old, uh, the old detective. See, I've not seen that. I've not seen Do You Like Hitchcock. I've not seen The Card Player. There's a lot of Argento out there I haven't seen. I've, like, I've seen his classics, you know. Opera Inferno. And look, look, he will always have a place in the world because without him, we don't get Dawn of the Dead. Right, yeah. And I will give, I don't, like, like I said before, I don't often fucking notice, like, the soundtrack. But Claudio Simonetti's, you know, the guy from Goblin, did the soundtrack of this with with his band called Apocalypsis or something. They play the ending track. It's a rad-ass fucking song. That is fucking... They got a music video for it that's pretty fucking metal. It's 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 power metal as fuck, Tim. It mm. is some... It is some Nightwish-type shit. They got a chick singing, and it's just hokey as hell. That's the best thing. This is one hokey fucking movie. I'm gonna give it... 40 stars. I mean, what would you give it, John? Six Bs. Six Bs. Yeah. What do the bees stand for? Um, Bullshit. <laughs> no, just six bees. I don't know why. Just uh, it says bee movies. Okay. Uh, the 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 animal, the bee. Mm-hmm. Um, Boobs. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it says for boobs, uh, uh, brains, bowels, body, buttholes. Yeah. Okay. And and and, and bank managers. <laughs> I don't know. It's just bland as hell. And when I think Argento, uh, it, bland does not come to mind. And when I think Rutger Hauer, I want a different Rutger Hauer. But I want some Rutger Hauer, not Rutger Hauer that shows up at the hour mark. Yeah. Rutger Hauer. Yeah. There you go. That's who he was in this. Rutger Hauer. You see, my big problem is is that that uh, there was a movie that exists called Rutger Hauer. Where it's not called Rutger Hauer. Oh, that has that has Rutger Hauer and Pam Greer in it, right? Clearly, the greatest film ever made, right? Mm-hmm. Got to be one of them. No, no. What's it called? No, one of the. It's called Wilder. Does it have Gene Wilder? No, it doesn't. No. 
It's one of the worst movies either of those actors has ever made, ever. And yet it has those two people in it. How they made a bad movie, I don't know. So I always already knew that Rutger Howe was capable of making a bad movie, despite me previously believing that was not possible. Tim, is this possible? Does Rutger Howe make bad movies? I don't know. I haven't seen one yet. But there was one he did with uh, Kathleen Turner that was kind of... Is that the one that Profondo talks about all the time where they're trying to steal the bird eggs? Off the I island am, or some shit like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe that's it. I've always wanted to see that, but I've never been able to track it down. It's like, uh, mm. it's hard to track down, but I think Encore actually drops it yeah. like once in a while. I don't know. I've never because that's it. where I found it was on Encore. Yeah, he's like going to an island and he's going to two years ago. Rare bird eggs or some mm-hmm. a different breed or some shit like that. Maybe it's called. I don't know. I should look it up. But Tim, I don't want to discourage you from watching Dracula 3D. I mean, it's worth a watch. It should be in the next Tim Gross book. I'd like, I'd like to hear Tim Gross's thoughts about it. <laughs> There's no curse slinging midgets, but you know. Yeah. 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 Nothing beats that right now. There is a giant mantis, though. I guess that's all. I kind of bummed. I wish it would have been better, and I don't really want to drag it through the mud. But anyway. Uh, there are a couple of good sequences in it. I'll give it that. Yeah, and all those have Asia Argento boobs in it. Boobs. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's good. Uh-huh. Badges. Uh, like we said earlier, we're going to take a break for a couple weeks, everybody. You're still going get, to get new episodes. I'm just way behind. I was going to say, we do have quite a few episodes. Yeah, work has, overtime has started. So, yeah, we're going to take a couple weeks off. We're going to... Come back. You'll still get new shows. We just need to keep up, catch up, or at least I do. But you got an idea what you're going to do next, Tim? Because I know what I'm doing. Oh, I was possibly going to do Razor Days. It's an independent film from Mike and Amy. Okay. Uh, I can get that at If you want to, yeah, I'll hand it off to you because I don't think they have it for sale yet. They're still putting it into festivals and everything. But I was thinking about watching it and just handing it off to you at Wasteland, and you can yeah, I'll totally watch check it. it out. I got a bunch of shit to get to you to Wasteland too. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, I am going to do since since I found it on Netflix and I've never seen it. I'm going to do the Fantastic Voyage, featuring Donald Pleasance. Oh Jesus! And it said it's a classic, so I need to check it out. I think they shrink themselves down and go inside a person. Or something in that movie? I don't know. But it's got Donald Pleasance and it's supposed to be a classic. But yeah, we're going to take a couple weeks off. Uh, you'll still get new shows, but don't worry about that. We don't miss a week. We're three years old, Tim. Yes. We've been talking every week for three years. Time to take a break. Plus, it's Easter and Wasteland's coming up. It's a good time as any. But yeah, no, we're going guys... to have a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, we're going to get back with a Wasteland show. I'm sure crazy hijinks will ensue. Yeah. <laughs> John, what you got to pimp, sir? Well, uh, go to aftermoviediner.com and click on the music tab, and you will find out that uh, just a weekend ago, uh, I wrote an entire 10-song album in two days called <laughs> The Weekend Album. I had no ideas, I had no tunes, I had no lyrics, I had no nothing from blank page to ten finished, fully produced 
tracks in under 48 hours. I did it. It's available now on iTunes and Spotify and all over the place. That's an amazing uh, feat, sir. But go to aftermoviediner.com and click the music tab and a world of wonder will be available to you. And if you don't like that, there's also a comedy album all about actors and actresses and filmmakers and all sorts of things that is available on Spotify. Uh, go listen to that because uh, for every single listen, I get 0.000001 of a cent. So <laughs> go Jeez. listen to that. And uh, if if a thousand of you go listen to it, then I'll You'll make have a penny. $1.50. So. Can I throw a challenge out there to John Cross? What's that? Can John Cross make a 10-song album yeah. and a weekend in which all songs are about Donald Pleasance and yes. or Donald Pleasance movies? Yes. And can it be called The Pleasancing? <laughs> the Pleasancing. <laughs> Kyle, I will have it ready for you in a month. Amazing. <laughs> you heard it here <laughs> first, folks. The Pleasancing. The Pleasancing. A 10-track album all about Donald Pleasance. Yes, and... I still want to. I still want to live next door to him and wear tweed sweaters and take him to bingo and drink coffee. <laughs> I do. I want him. I want him to be like. I want. I want fucking Donald he's, Pleasance as my neighbor. He's dead, dude. I know. I refuse to believe. I, look, I know that my weak suit is a talking about movies and b uh, knowing if uh, said person is alive or dead. See the Paul Hogan argument we got into <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah, but I want to live next door to Donald Pleasance, and I want to help him in his garden, and and kick him. <laughs> I I love that man. I love him. He's the best. But as for me, I got nothing to pimp except our show. Listen to us, like our Facebook pages, blah blah blah. Follow me on Twitter at JSB Boomsticks. Look me up on Letterbox. Look John up on Letterbox. Go listen to the After Movie Diner because his last episode that I listened to was great about Alone in the Dark, a Donald Pleasance movie, and I think that's all that needs to be said. And you can reach me by phone at 347-669-0053. Call me up and leave a series of bizarre messages. <laughs> 347-669-0053. I'm also single, so go on. Yeah. Tim, what do you got to pimp? Uh, of course, uh, first off, I want to say thank you to John for coming on the yeah. show again. I'm glad to hear he has a full-time job again, and I'm glad he's working and that he will stay with us in this country. Hopefully, we get to meet him at a convention sooner than later. Yes. Uh, also, for anybody uh, needs needs something for their horror fans Easter basket, go to Lulu.com, pick up my book, The Wrath of Gross. I did. For, yes, John Cross And everyone did. else needs to. Uh, I will have a few copies with me in two weeks at Wasteland. Yeah, bring one for me. me. Yeah, I already, like I said, I believe I have three or four sold at Wasteland just wandering around right now that Ooh. people have emailed me about, yeah. <laughs> which is cool. Uh, also, of course, you can find me here at Bloodbath and Boomsticks. It's been a fun three years. I hope we keep doing this every every week, and even though we're taking a little time, we are behind on episodes. This is time of the year where not only Kyle works a lot of overtime, but it gets into my busy time too. So uh, it's not a bad thing we have backed up on episodes, so we're not gonna mm-hmm. you know worry about that. But also to of course go visit grossmoverreviews.com. Uh, 
you could check out everything I write and put there and hope someday Kyle will contribute something to that webpage. I had something to write, but I don't remember what I was going to write it about. <laughs> oh yeah, I was going to, I was going to write like the 90s, uh, awesome horror movie fucking thing. Cause everybody says horror was dead in the 90s and I say no, it wasn't. Or you could probably write about the 50 rape, 50 foot rape rooster. Foot rape rooster? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but God damn it. Give me some money for date rape Dracula. I, I need, uh, well, I will just, uh, put it up on Indiegogo and you've got five of my shiny dollars coming. <laughs> oh, we got to get out of here. John, thanks for coming on and may the Donald Pleasance be with you. Yes. Oh, and I need to clarify one last thing, Carl, right. before we ring off on the album, the Pleasant thing. Mm-hmm. Does it have to be things that Donald Pleasance actually did? And movies he actually made, or can I make up stories about Donald Pleasance doing things? Make up yeah, stories, please. Have, yeah, of course. Okay, good. Donald Pleasance good. and me going to the grocery store, that'd be great. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, okay. Donald Pleasance. Because, John, Pleasance. I think you're much better at making up random stuff about, about somebody like Donald Pleasance. I think you're so great at that, because then it sounds like this should be a movie. Yes. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> If I told you a week ago that there was a movie in which a midget slung a curse at Joan Collins and Donald Pleasance developed, uh, delivered the devil baby, you would never have believed me. No, nope. so it's a, it's I a wonder that I need to see this right now. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm telling you Ed Quillen went back in time. I, I'm almost, that's almost proof there that time travel exists. Yes. Yeah. We've anyway, probably, sorry. We've, we've, we've seen this happen in real life. It does exist, yeah, but we got, does. we got to get out of here. Everybody have a good time. Turn out the lights The party's over They say that all Good things must end Call it a night The party's over And tomorrow starts the same old thing again All right First of all, we'll start the day off by telling you, whoo, it is Rolex time! Why do you eat pizza? My people. Brains. Brains only. Yes. Why? Brains! I'm gonna punch you in the ovary. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Straight shot. Oh, ow. Right to the baby maker. That's why you can't love the boy. No matter where you go. Go fuck an iceberg. Obviously, you're not a golfer. We came, we saw, we kicked it there. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. Grant me revenge. And if you do not listen, then the hell with you. If you go, it's gonna turn out bad. Bitches leave. Mecca, mecca, high, mecca, hidey ho. Each day's a gap. Did you see? Did you see? The doctor and me, did you see? You need one more drug deal for that idiot fucking cop magnet of a cousin of yours. And I'll forget your grandmother was so nice to me. I'll cut your fucking nuts off. You understand that? Ah, ah, I swear my fucking mother, if you touch her again, you're dead! Ah. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul.
need some help down here. Can anybody hear me? We found something. We found something. 